that that was the fastest I could ever hear you. Yeah, no, I the fastest. Hey, check this out too. Oh shit! This man's been practicing. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. And the bullet and the gun. Hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> this is the weekly jar bar. <laughs> That's good shit. Good job, man. Thank you, thank you. Let me let's let's give it up for me. There we go. <laughs> One shot. It is Tuesday, May sixteenth. I'm eating watermelon, and uh, life's pretty good, man. What do you What do you think? I, you know what? I, I don't have any major complaints about today. Um, I have some minor complaints, but it's, you know, that's just life. Um, you got, you got a nice watermelon there. It's a good juicy one. It's like, uh, half of it was grown in season. Half of it wasn't. It's like a, it's like a six out of 10 watermelon. Like it's yeah. definitely, I think, I don't think watermelons taste good until June. Probably. That's what I think about that. You ever, you ever see this shit? Do you ever see this shit? I'm sending to you right now. Uh, get the fuck out of here with that. I'm never <laughs> eating that. <laughs> get the fuck out. You that can hit the door right now. What is up with yellow watermelon? I uh, I had heard about it. I think my sister told me about it like last summer or something, and I was just like, what the fuck? Like, how do you how do you do a yellow watermelon? Like that's uh for for the listeners uh the the rind is like a typical watermelon rind it's just the flesh that's yellow and uh apparently this is like i don't know if this is the original watermelon or it's just as old as the other watermelon um i'm reading an article on tasteofhome.com that says uh this type of watermelon isn't new it's been around for a while according to some sources yellow watermelon was actually cultivated before red watermelon and has been grown in africa for 5000 years so uh it looks like they're supposed to be actually a little bit sweeter than uh than red watermelons this is hmm i don't know how i feel about this also i'm dying over here <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. It looks like a papaya or something, or like a, or like some other fruit similar to something that's not watermelon. It's fucking yellow. What the hell? Yeah, it doesn't have lycopene, which is the pigment and antioxidant that uh, makes watermelon, you know, that that bright red. That's also in tomatoes, apparently. This shit makes me think of yellow loveless, and I'm just like. This is a fucking knockoff. <laughs> Why is yellow the color of knockoffs? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good point. <laughs> also, you can see the seeds a lot more. Like, I don't, I'm never buying watermelon with seeds. So, here's why do they call it seedless watermelons when you still got the fucking like white seeds in it? I don't want to eat that yeah. shit either. I don't know what those are. Um, what uh why why do what are the white seeds in watermelon let's let's figure this out while we're talking about it i don't i'm not a fan of it this This shit is Uh, it's like i don't want to taste this i want it to only be the matrixy sort of flesh of watermelon i don't want fucking seeds in it so okay they are yeah they are seeds the whole thing is just that uh they're they're immature seeds so you can't 
they're infertile. You can't plant them like you would be able to with like the black watermelon seeds. Uh, mm. So I think that's that's probably how they how they make seedless watermelon. Then is uh, they just um, sterilize it, I guess, if that's the if that's the word, mm-hmm. um, so that the seeds don't grow and become you know actually encased in the shell. Uh, how would you sterilize okay. a watermelon? How would you do it? I don't know. I'd ask Monsanto. Like they probably know. They probably do know. I would put it in a vacuum. I would put a normal watermelon in a vacuum chamber, like just before it's about to blow, and and then you know just bam, just like that, you uh, you've infertilized all the seeds. You've taken all the semen out of them. There you go. <laughs> You've also would have taken out like all of the water in it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that kind of defeats the purpose of of the watermelon. Um, but we got a lot to talk about today, so let's. I think we should kind of keep it moving here. Ninety-seven percent water. Do you want to hit it first? Do you want to hit it first? Um. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I think maybe we can just do a, a quick rundown of the topics first, and and just, um, you know, maybe give that like fifteen. 30 minutes somewhere around there and then we'll do the rest for music mm-hmm. um so you know what actually then i'm gonna let you start it off here because i'm i'm curious on who's who's your uh, drive-by alumni that you're, you're checking so in on. so i've got i checked out a drive-by alumni i uh in um you know in trying to find some music festivals for the summer looking around stuff in utah and i had booked my mother's day you know plane tickets to to go home see my mom like four weeks ago yeah about four weeks ago and found out like last week wednesday that uh that there was a you know a shaky knee size festival that was happening on mother's day weekend and i'm like well this is fucking stupid for you know because it's like mother's day weekend like bitch some people got plans uh and then uh found out you know i booked my flight because it's kind of dumb there's like three flights one is early ass in the morning, one is right in the middle of the day, and one is early, like late ass at night. You get in at like 11 o'clock, get home at midnight. Was not going to do that. And that was on a Sunday, like before Monday work. So I'm like, okay, not going to do that. And then uh, the midday flight, yeah, those tickets are like $700. Yeah, not doing that. So I flew in, you know, back from Mother's Day, uh, like early on a Sunday morning. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it, I'll have time. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on Sunday. Go see this concert. Tickets were, you know, tickets were about like eighty bucks, ninety after everything. And uh, I had went to go see Duster. I saw the Duster live. I got to this. Uh, it's called the Kilby Block Party. It takes place. It's. I think it's supposed to take place at Kilby Square, which is not where it actually took place. Uh, I think they just moved it because the festival's gotten bigger. They moved it to the to the fairgrounds, which is right next to a gigantic ass rodeo like stadium. It's probably like a ten to twenty five thousand state. I don't know. Let me, you know what? Let me look this up. Utah. It's like a Utah rodeo stadium, and it is called fucking Pioneer Days. Uh, that's weird. I don't know. This thing is. This looks like a really old arena. Uh, for rodeos and stuff, but it's it seats a lot of people. Yeah, ten thousand ten thousand seats, and uh, it's 
so I get there at like two something because because I, I, I had stuff to do. I, I had to get back, you know, do a bunch of stuff, get there at two. And I saw saw three bands. There was first one was called Tolchok Trio, T-O-L-C-H-O-C-K Trio. And they are not a trio, fucking first of all. So that you know, minus one point there. <laughs> they are more than a trio. <laughs> they might have started as a trio, but they're not a trio anymore. Um, but they're they're kind of they're a they're a local band. They're from Salt Lake, and they do a, they do a number of rocks, just uh, general rock festival music. And they were really good. I think they were probably the probably the best small band that I had seen all day. And I think they said <laughs> they said midway through they were also the coolest people of all the of everyone that I had seen. Uh, they had said, "All right, fuck it, we're gonna do some pavement songs now," and because uh, yeah. pavement was the the people playing, but they they did a few pavement pavement songs, and I and yeah, it was overall really good. I I tried to look them up on RYM or anything else, and I couldn't find anything on RYM for them. And uh, yeah, I think they mostly just they just perform i don't know that they actually record any music um but i also haven't looked very hard since then so then the second second performer was duster now keep in mind i left the first stage actually wait you know what no let me let me i don't think that's right now that i think about it let me see the lineup schedule so yeah, I I saw I did see Duster after, and I left probably I left Tolchok Trio stage at three thirty five, and Duster was scheduled to to go for four. Motherfucker! So first of all, they have four stages, very very similar to Shaky Knees, and keep it like imagine if the two biggest stages for Shaky Knees, like the crowd area, like the well, actually it might have been even like that. The crowd area was basically split. Two thirds like normal general attendance, and then one third for like the fucking pay pig VIPs that want the front row experience, you know, pay extra to get in, which I think is freaking stupid. I think that's just sad that they do it like that. Um, so the two thirds is like the 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 area that shows up on all of the the cameras that they record on, you know, for the festival for history and shit, which is just dishonest, but I got to the place there were, it was, it was not easy, you know, to, to get like a a decent standing area. Um, But I got to say duster, man, these guys are not very good performers. (laughs) Oh no. It was was a lot of, you know, down tempo, slow. Um, it feels like they had no energy and like they were really playing just off a set list that they made in the trailer. And they thought, yeah, this would probably be pretty good. And they didn't change. They haven't changed it at all. You know, we got a, we got a few songs that were off of the, uh, the older album off of stratosphere, a few songs that were off their 20, uh, 2019. Yeah. 2019 self-titled. I don't think they played anything off of contemporary movement. Not uh, even me and the birds. No, I don't think so. And I was a bit disappointed. I was I listened to a few songs that I wanted to hear before that and you know none of the none of the contemporary movement songs were on there. I was really looking for a for a number of them and did not deliver. They delivered off of their uh, off of the self-titled. They delivered some stratosphere songs, 
like docking the pod and they didn't play they didn't play any of the noise stuff and i stayed for the whole sh- the whole set list and i was just very uh they played like some of those 2 to 3 minute tracks they did they played gold dust i think but it was not very loud i th- what i realized when they were playing is that it was about like 65% the noise that i really wanted and I was disappointed that it was not significantly louder. They did not play Topical Solution. They did not play Constellations. They did not play Stratosphere. I think they played Echo Bravo. And then they played a number of stuff off of their newer album together. Um, But yeah, I got to say, Duster did not bring the heat. They were pretty... uh, Pretty um, not emotionless, but it was it was lacking a significant amount of energy that I think that they could have brought. Yeah, I know that their music doesn't really translate well into into the festival scene, but yeah, I don't know. The crowd was really liking it. I don't know if they were faking it or not, but I did. I was not sensing a lot of energy at all. Um, the gear that they had, you know, their guitars and their amps, they had some pretty decent orange amps. They're they're a big fan of orange for some reason. Um, I don't. I've actually always liked orange because I I think it's a I think it's a funny gimmick for an amp, you know, to just have everything be orange and nothing else significant. But I don't know. I don't think uh, I, I I'd give them a solid five out of ten for that. Um, they were completely destroyed in energy by the band that I saw before and after. The uh, band I had seen after was called Wednesday, and they are a band from Asheville, North Carolina. And um, the lead singer, she was very kick-ass. She was very much um, just destroying the... They they were destroying it with noise. They were... I, I was... So this... This was a really crowded ass performance. I mean, this was crowded as hell. It seems like everyone left the duster and immediately ran over to the Wednesday thing. I, I tried to get a beer beforehand and I was just totally, totally crowded. But these guys brought the noise. They played a number of songs. And I I really think you should go listen to Wednesday. That's like what I got out of all of this is that Wednesday is definitely a band to go look and see that if they've done anything significant and crank up the noise on, on your, uh, on your phone or what ha- music listening device, your PC, because uh, these people can bring it. Uh, I will say that when I got in, I know that mannequin pussy was playing on the, on the one stage that I never went to the other one. And uh, they were giving a very big political speech. I'm <laughs> just like, oh, motherfucker, I just got here. <laughs> I don't need to hear un- this. Understandable, shit. though. Understandable. Wasn't, um, I mean, they, they, they did something about like trans rights when we saw them uh, at Shaky Knees. Yes. That was like their big ending thing. Um, but my friend, my friend, you know, I have listened to Wednesday, right? Oh, shit, really? You know, I, I reviewed their 2023 album, Rat Saw God, on this show, right? No fucking way. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm putting <laughs> it together now. What did, you think um, about, what did you think about it? I thought it was decent, but uh, overall I was expecting a little bit more country from what people had told me, a little bit more shoegaze, and it was overall just kind of landfilly stuff. Um, I could definitely see them putting on a great live show, though. 
I think they have all the pieces. It's just it maybe it didn't translate as well as I would have liked it to um, in the studio because uh, you know the songwriting I wasn't too great too hot on and um, a lot of the intensity in the vocals ended up getting buried in the mix and stuff. So yeah, um, the vocalist she was definitely the highlight, but she was also like you know 2012 Francis Quinlan. So I I I just go you know listen to Hop Along instead, but. Yeah, no, I'm sure they put on a great live show. I think that I think you're probably right in that they don't they're too spread out in like which sort of genres they want to hit. They do some stuff pretty well. I I think if they could focus in on the uh the grunge or shoegaze aspects that'd be nice, but I think she definitely does not want to do uh doesn't want to abandon the country, the country twang or the country influences altogether. So they're trying to they're trying to make shoegaze uh, or or any sort of noise rock a little bit more country and uh i mean i don't think there's a lot of uh there's not a lot of synergy there for those genres in my opinion i think i'd rather have someone make either a, try to make a really good singer songwriter country album or um try to just lean all into the noise grunge and uh shoegaze but live they were know. pretty awesome i i think that's that's one of the things i love about um hop along still underappreciated by the way 2012 album get disowned um that's you know sort of an indie rock album uh i mean mainly an indie rock album but there's some some different elements going on there there's some some odd instrumentation at different points um one of my favorite songs on there sally too is actually like a folk punk song um or at least like a folk influenced indie song and I think it can work. You know, this is a really eclectic album. I I I appreciate something with a lot of different uh different influences and whatnot. But I just think you know Wednesday kind of edged a little bit more towards the landfill side, where I just I don't know. On record, I wasn't really hearing just much uh, interesting about the songwriting or you know the different sounds they were using. Um, mm-hmm. Bull Believer. I don't know if you. If you recognize if they played that, that's like their big, bolded eight-minute song. Um, you'd you'd probably know if you heard that, that one, and I would imagine they did that play the it. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I mean, again, yeah, I've I've said it like three times, but yeah, I'm sure they put on a great live show. I I'd, I'd like to see them live if they came to like Birmingham. I don't know if anyone ever does, but you know, <laughs> fine. Yeah. After that, I saw I looked up Backseat Lovers and Ethel Kane, and I decided, yeah, no, I don't. I'm not really in love with either of these genres. And then I just kind of I left after that. But overall, it was uh, it was decent. It was nice to get out. I I think I I think like it was like kind of like the going to the festival alone. I'm just like yeah, fuck it. I'm just gonna go see music. There's nothing else I'm doing today. I'd rather go out yeah. and do something. And I was I was pretty happy I did. I will say though. 24 ounce beer is a good one is like $13 and I'm just like all right yeah this is it this yeah is the- I uh <laughs> I think next time I I go to any kind of show I'm just going to like bring in some little plastic minis of of something and because I'm I'm just That's I'm just done getting fucked I thought on the those same prices, thing. Man. I thought the same thing. I'm gonna bring in those stupid minis. So, but yeah, I I could see being done with it too. It was really annoying. I did see that uh, Carolyn Polechek was uh, on the previous day. 
she's uh she's getting the mad she's getting mad industry pitchfork whatever uh love right now and uh mm-hmm. she's she's definitely now gonna be part of the tour gang going around everywhere she's been on npr she's been on uh she's she's bouncing around all those you know places doing interviews so that was i just kind of laugh I'm, I'm looking at those sorts of artists that are just kind of going to be bouncing around for the next two years from one album that got so that got a claim out of nowhere right mm-hmm. yeah out of quote unquote nowhere <laughs> but that was the drive-by alumni uh sorry bud but duster <laughs> duster you guys gotta pick it up they i mean otherwise they seem pretty like technically sound like everything everything was technically good with their with their record with the recording with the performance the music it's just it feels like they they just lacked a lot of energy from the sound and the and other stuff but oh well moving on that was a yeah. alumni. I, I mean like are you really gonna get mad at duster for doing a low energy show like isn't that just part of their thing not the festival though then don't go to a fucking festival and perform <laughs> fucking <laughs> I can think of an analogy for that. Just give me a little time. No, the Duster, their performance for, is for all the people who are already like, you know, just stoned out of their minds or something. And they're like, I, I can't do anything high energy right now. I need to I need to go somewhere to recover and just like space out. Mm-hmm. It was too early for that. It would have been better if they did that at like six. That would have probably been a good time for that instead yeah. of four. But, but oh, well, what are you going to do? You go to a yeah. dumpster concert expecting high energy, right? Yeah. So, um, what was uh, what was one thing from your list? Did you have a you have a congressman alumni yourself? Yeah, I don't know if we've talked about this guy a lot, but he, I mean, he's been in the news a lot over the past year or so. I'm sure you've heard about him. Um, this is a, a my favorite congressman, uh, just because he makes me laugh. He makes me laugh a lot. I have not enjoyed following anyone's career more than i have this guy who's you know his career is probably over right now because he just got a uh he's got charged with uh 13 counts of criminal activity um which includes seven counts of wire fraud three counts of money laundering one count of theft of public funds and two counts of making false materially false statements to the house of representatives this is our uh, our freshman representative out of New York, George Santos. This guy, uh, <laughs> his his story has finally come to an end. Um, among my favorite George Santos hits are him uh, him him claiming that his uh, his mother, I think he said she she died in nine eleven, um, but records show that she was nowhere near New York at the time. Um, let me let me look that up just to make sure that uh getting this right yeah he has consistently said his mother was working at her office in the south tower of the world trade center during the 9-11 attacks um immigration documents reviewed by the new york times proved that to be false uh my my other favorite claim of his was uh when he he said he was jewish um while he was campaigning and uh, people looked into it and said, uh, it, it doesn't actually look like you're Jewish, dude. Like, that's that's pretty, pretty <laughs> terrible lie to tell. And he was like, no, no, no. I said I was Jew-ish. 
not Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking died at that. I'm gonna That's come shot. Shot. This fucking <laughs> There's there's a whole bunch of lies this guy told. Um, let me see if I can if I can. And this is not even like okay, he's, he is a Republican. This is not me, you know, targeting some Republican because I disagree with him. Um, this is like this guy is legitimately a liar. Like not even not even like just a bad person. He's he has just lied several times. Um, allegedly, of course. Allegedly, I don't think any of this has actually been like proven in the court of law. So uh, don't send the lawyers after me, George Santos. This is allegedly, <laughs> um, he. I'm on a, a New York Magazine article right now, which, goddamn, that's how low I've fallen. Is where I'm. I'm finding links on New York Magazine. Um, I'm just gonna. I'm. I'm just gonna go through these quickly. Uh, he allegedly lied to collect unemployment benefits, uh, more than twenty-four thousand dollars in them. Um, he was working at an investment firm at the time where he was earning a salary of about one hundred twenty thousand a year. So it's not even like he needed the money. It's just. <laughs> it's just like fuck it. Why not? Um, he allegedly lied to donors, then used their money to buy designer clothing. He allegedly lied to Congress. He lied about where he went to high school and college uh he lied about working on wall street uh and i think that he lied about founding an animal charity uh he allegedly swindled a disabled vet whose dog was dying he may have ripped off an amish dog breeder with a bad check um it's unclear if his mother's death was related to 9-11 like i said earlier she clearly was not there but you know maybe something else uh he claimed his grandmother was a holocaust victim which has been proven absolutely not true um <laughs> he claimed he had employees who died in the pulse nightclub shooting he did not um like i said earlier he claimed he was jewish but then actually said uh he's jewish uh with a little hyphen in there uh he lied about being a drag queen in brazil that's that was like the big story about it um you know there were pictures that came out about it um, there was a Wikipedia page for him, which had an account uh, that edited it, which was almost certainly him that claimed that he had a guest appearance on Hannah Montana. Uh, that wasn't true. Uh, during his 2022 congressional bid, he claimed to some donors that he helped produce Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, which was the 2011 uh, Broadway musical that did terrible. Uh, he was not involved in it. Um, <laughs> he said that he was a journalist in Brazil. Um that is apparently also a lie. Um, How can you have all these lives? <laughs> this is like way too much. Uh, there's more. Um, one month after he was elected, he went on a Brazilian podcast uh, to say that he had had assassination attempts on him. Um, this is almost definitely not true. Uh, people have looked into it apparently and can't find any evidence of that. Um that's that's the end of the the official lies on the list <laughs> that so. is so so he's basically getting uh expelled because he just lied a lot and he just like kind of lied his way in so he hasn't actually been expelled yet i think the the democrats in the house are bringing up a vote to expel him um in the near future but he has been criminally charged <laughs> oh criminally <laughs> so, charged there we go yeah yeah um this is i'm reading this from the the 
or at least the summary of his charges that I gave earlier is from the Department of Justice website. Um, yeah, I mean, this guy, uh, he, it's, it's, it's a wonder that, you know, he even made it this far. Um, and of course, there was a lot of blame earlier on about like, wait, how did the Democrats not like do their research and find this earlier when he was running for this seat in the first place? Uh, but, you know, Republicans have been hesitant to uh, turn on him because I think the district that he represents was like traditionally Democrat and he flipped that seat. Um, but, you know, he's probably going to be going to jail or at least, you know, whatever potential sentence um, sitting Congress people can get. I don't know how many of them actually go to jail. If he does go to jail, that would be fucking hilarious. And I would salute that. Um but it's just it's just been funny to follow him for the past few months because all this stuff has just been coming out of him saying all these things. And it's like, bro, this is like demonstrably not true. <laughs> like, there's a very clear evidence that this is not true. Um, so it's probably just like a pathological thing. But that was all I had on him. I didn't know if we had talked about him earlier. So, yeah, this is a good this, it's a good point. I think we have talked about him before. Um, but it's good. We're closing the book on him. He's probably gonna get a. He's probably gonna get expelled. So that's that's a good thing. At least I hope so. Um, they don't control. Oh, they do control the house. And I'm sure that there's probably a lot of sound bites of like Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson being like, "Look at this guy. He's out there flipping the New York district, and we're gonna take New York back." And then this shit happens. And not, then they're going to be like dead silent on all of it. Or they're going to say like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And maybe they, maybe they will say like, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of lies <laughs> that the, you really shouldn't be able to tell. But yeah, he's a, uh, he's, he's, he's cooked, isn't he? Is he cooked? Tell me he's cooked. I think he's cooked. I think he's definitely cooked. Um, What is this? Uh, I'm trying not to. I don't ever want to like actually click on a CNN article, so I'm trying not to do that. But I think even Kevin McCarthy is kind of, uh, you know, get this guy out of here. Mm-hmm. Get this hothead out of here. <laughs> um, he said he opposes the expulsion resolution introduced by Democrats, but his push for an ethics probe departs from his earlier arguments that the House should wait to take any action until after a verdict is rendered on the federal indictment um so he doesn't actually want i guess the he has to at least say he doesn't want the expulsion vote to to go through but he also wants people to like still look into the guy so i don't know hmm. I, he's he's definitely cooked though this guy's not he, he can't come back from this like i know people talk about oh, this is post-truth world oh, blah, blah. no this guy's cooked he's done yeah, I, I at least hope so. But good. I'm I'm hoping that this alumni is uh is not talked about anymore because I hope he goes <laughs> to jail. <laughs> but uh but yeah, then moving on to from from that bozo to uh maybe another bozo. I'm fucked the segue. I'm trying to fucking find the list. God damn it. Um I'm gonna do one more thing then just to close out like the the other topics I had. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's 26 year old volunteer season. 
Uh, I love volunteer season. I'm I'm realizing it's like just kind of a great thing for me. You know, it gets me outside. It gets me around people that I don't know, which is always good because um, if I'm not forced to be around people I don't know, then I probably won't be around people I don't know. Exactly. Um, So this past Saturday, I volunteered for a wine festival. That's Uh, a good one. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I really got to drink any, but... Uh, is at Railroad Park in Birmingham, which is like a nice park in downtown. And um, a lot of volunteers, I guess, just didn't show. Damn. <laughs> so what was supposed to be, uh, it, it was kind of like a wine tasting festival where we had a bunch of different booths with different wines and all those different booths. And, you know, you pay for your ticket to get in and you can try as many of the wines as you want. Um, you were supposed to... Um, have a certain number of tickets, I guess, for the different wine booths. If you were not like a, if you didn't have like a special wristband or something, but they ran out of tickets because the event sold out this year. Um, I think they said this was the first time it actually sold out. And uh, I think there were, there were 2000 tickets. So there were about 2000 people coming through and the event ran for about three hours. Um, I showed up at four 30 spent, you know, the first like hour and a half basically doing nothing. Or like the first hour doing nothing because uh, didn't actually start till six, which I would have came later if I knew that, but I didn't know that. Hmm. Um, so what was supposed to be like a table for two people in a lot of cases ended up being a table for one person. So I had four wines that I was in charge of and not like four wines, like four kinds of wine that I was in charge of. And uh, by the end of the night, I just sent you a picture of all the empty wine bottles that I had poured for people. It was like a nonstop line. Um, I, even <laughs> by the end of it, there were still people in line. I was on my feet the whole time. Um, people were asking me like, Oh, so, uh, you know, where can I go buy this wine? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I just signed a piece of paper. They didn't tell me anything. They're asking me like questions about the wine. I did actually get to taste all four of them, just like a a small little sip. Yeah. And um, I I actually had like the fruit infused wines, so it was um, they were all like pretty sweet stuff. I had people asking me like, oh, which one's the sweetest? Like, which one's the best? All this kind of stuff. And um, you know, for the most part, people were pretty nice and and really pleasant. And I had people say a lot of nice things to me, which was cool. Uh, But doing something like this you also realize like how many people just don't have basic manners um there's so there's like a not so many you know there's just a small group of people where they come up to the table they don't really say anything they just like hold their glass out and you know i pour i pour you know their their sample and they don't say thank you they just walk away um there were a lot of people that wouldn't tear their own tickets like i had to reach over and you know, the, all the tickets come on like a little, you know, how tickets come. Uh, and I had to like tear their tickets off for them. And it's like, I, you know, I shouldn't have to do that. Like come prepared. You got in line, come prepared, you know, make this a fast transaction for both of us. They mm-hmm. didn't do that. Um, and at the end of the night, like I was actually not supposed to open any new bottles past eight 30. Uh, I went a little bit past that because you know, there were still a lot of people in line. The event didn't end until nine. Um, I stopped opening new bottles at 845, which is when we weren't supposed to even be pouring anybody any more wine. Um, but I kept going for another 10 minutes until all my bottles that I had open were empty. 
And then I had to tell people like, Hey guys, I'm sorry. I can't do anymore. Like this whole long ass line of people. I'm like, sorry guys can't do it. And you know, most people are just kind of, they make that disappointed groan and they walk away. But then there's some people that keep coming up to the front and they're like, Oh, well, they're trying to like give me grief about it. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. I can't do it. Sorry. I can't do it. I can't do anything about this. They told me that they gave me a cutoff time. Um, you know, there's one, uh, it's a blonde lady who was maybe like five, three or something. Um, kind of cute. Not gonna lie. Um, but she, she was like giving me all sorts of grief. She's like, I paid to be here till nine, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, sorry, I can't do anything for you. Like, I wish I could, but I can't. Uh, and, uh, eventually she kind of gave up on it and she just goes oh you're too damn responsible <laughs> yeah that's a very southern thing to say that was that was the first time i'd ever heard that in my life um <laughs> but overall good experience fun times uh the group i was with you know they were all like good people we all kind of talked at the end of the night about like how it was way busier than we thought it was going to be and how uh none of us really got any breaks during our shift when we were apparently supposed to get breaks um but you know fun stuff um good uh there was a good jazz band playing actually um when i was around at the beginning for their warm-up uh they were actually i thought they were great you know the bassist was really great the drummer he was he was good um but i don't think he really got a chance to you know really do too much fancy stuff um the sax player he was playing a soprano sax at first and um he was really great too um but then, of course, you know, as soon as people actually came in and their show actually started, uh, they were doing like just some very tepid, smooth jazz stuff. I'm like, OK, you know, the public's just not ready for the good shit. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I had to say about that. I'm. Uh, I was going to say that, uh, you know, they're asking you, where do I get this wine? And I'm like looking at the bottles and I'm like, you can buy this shit anywhere. Do you see this? This is fucking Suter home wine with the yeah, fruit infusion. Yeah. I think those are at least like relatively new flavors or something though. And people just yeah. haven't seen them. Um, the Woodbridge I think is like a little bit higher quality. Um, I haven't really seen that one before, honestly, but I don't really go like wine shopping and I'm definitely not looking for like fruit infused wines when I do. Um, but yeah, there's this one dude who was actually pretty funny about the end of it. Um, after I'd cut everybody off, he's like, okay, what if I gave you $1,000 right now? Would you do it? And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> what? He's like, you should have said, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> he's like, $2,000. i am like, no. He's like, okay, $10,000. I'm like, I, I actually do take a, take a break there for a second. And then I'm like, bro, you're bullshitting me. <laughs> you're, not, you're not doing that. He's like, yeah, I got it. I swear. I'm like, okay, sure. Let's do it. I got He's it unlocked. Like, no, nah, nah, man, I don't have, I don't have it. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's pretty funny though. That's a, uh, I'm sure it was a good time aside from just, you know, getting, what do you call it? Subtly, you know, ignored or, you know, not getting a common courtesy from people, you know, pouring wine for them. Like, come on. This looks like just wine in the park. Like, how can you not be a little nice? Yeah, like it's not. It's it takes you know half of a breath and and two two syllables to say thank you. That's it. Right. I'm not asking for much. I don't want a tip. Uh, just you know. Yeah, look, look seriously. Like a, a human, you know. 
bro are there do you were there people like volunteers that were that you volunteered with that were like yeah i'll take tips and shit i don't know i mean our tables were all so spread out that i couldn't really tell um mm -hmm. but i don't know maybe somebody did mm -hmm. one guy did tell me though that uh you know people people were liking my line because i was giving them some good pours like I was, <laughs> I was giving them a little bit more in the minimum, minimum, which maybe I kind of dug my own grave there. Um, but you know, it's nice, it's nice to be appreciated. <laughs> Angry drunk mob coming for you. What the <laughs> Give us wine right now. When it's like eight thirty-five. So, well, that's a good, that's a good time. You know, nice little one-off event to get out and uh, get calls responsible. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's all I had though. Um, looking at your list, I don't know if you, uh, what's the follow up topic from last week? All right. Follow up topic is, uh, you know, took a flight, which means, uh, decided to download a bunch of stuff, you know, to enjoy myself on the plane. You know, it's three ish hours to, uh, you know, on a flight. So took about the worst possible environment possible and, uh, gotta say, Yo, Ballmasters is pretty fucking dope, I gotta say. What is? Ballmasters. Oh, fuck Ball. yes! <laughs> oh, shit. How much you watch? I had to get that in there. Did you okay. hear that? <laughs> no, Did I you... didn't hear. Oh, I just fucking shouted, Umbilicus! <laughs> <laughs> So I have, uh, I think I've watched six or seven episodes, and the the most recent one was the one where fucking Didi the bitch decides that she is finished with her man on the uh, on the leptons and goes with a fucking biker gang, which I Didi was like Didi was like a seven to an eight, and then instantly dropped like a two. I'm like, you stupid bitch, fucking get this girl out of here. I don't know. Can can you blame her? Because I forget the uh the stoner dude's name, but you know, he was he was getting some high class there. Like he was batting way above his uh his league. <laughs> it and, wasn't even um, she wasn't even his girlfriend. Right, because he's being a fucking dummy about it. I'm like, bro, you earned it. you you deserve to get cucked on this shit. Like, come on, man. Come yeah. on. He was too low. He was all down in the dumps and couldn't like pick himself up even halfway. But I don't know. That was the recent episode I watched. Um, the princess episode was pretty funny. I, you know, of course the epi the the anime tropes are like all over the place, from like fucking Naruto to Dragon Ball Z to you know Akira and Evangelion. The the fucking game master just reminds me of the Evangelion shit. There were a lot of similar like similar shots from like in the first few episodes when he grows big and small. That that are pretty close to some Evangelion stuff, but that I it's it's a funny ass show that I gotta say the the main character reminds me of the Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends kid. His name's Mac. Mac. Yeah, fucking Mac. He reminds he, I can't unsee it because he looks too similar. He's got the same bowl cut. Yeah, I see what you're going for there. But I love uh, I love. I love the umbilicus man. I love uh, the 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 big what do you call it dinosaur girl? Eh, like she doesn't she can't really deliver on a lot of stuff. They they were on that one planet that yeah the 
the biker gang planet where they fucking it's like genociding or fucking her kind. I'm like, what the wait, what the fuck's going on here? Where you know the eleven minute episodes are not going to answer the shit, but they're like, we don't serve your her kind here. And uh, then you know you cut to later in the episode and they're like shooting their freaking villages and stuff. I'm like, what the f- okay? Can we get some background here? <laughs> but. Overall, yeah, the the princess episode I thought was one of the best ones. You know where they're trying; they basically lure lure him in to you know try and learn the try and learn the secret to becoming a ball master. And I, I like the ball designs. The ball designs are pretty fun. I love the big mirror guy with like the big hands. They say his name in one episode when the when they're trying to get uh, Gaz's cards back because. Because the little guy has a has a card of him, but mm-hmm. that was a, I like the designs. They're pretty fun and interesting, and uh, I like the fairy ball. I just watched the episode where uh, I watched the episode two where they try and go and get Gaz Gaz's cards back, for, like her rookie cards where the guy's sucking a ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> and Gaz is like, you know, Gaz is like, I bought them all up. And then, of course, her ex-boyfriend had him. And the guy was like, really? That's all you guys wanted? Despite, like, Gaz causing him a lot of trauma. <laughs> and uh, the ball, which I found out is the same voice as, as Mr. Shake from, from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I, that is where the crossover is. is the ball from freaking Ballmasters is Mr. Shake. But, yeah. Yeah, small world. It is a small world. Um... But yeah, the, the ball is like, you know, freaking out that the mafia underworld boss, he pissed on <laughs> him the whole time. And the boss is like, please just get out of my house. I don't want to <laughs> see cats anymore. Yeah, man, but, it's, 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 oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was done. The show's hilarious. I just shouldn't have watched it on a plane because I'm like, I can't even drink right now. The show's hilarious and I can't get drunk. <laughs> yeah no it's it's a great show to have a few drinks and watch and it's also like you know it's only the episodes are like 11 minutes long so it's not like it's not like you're investing too much time if you're like you know what let me just go rewatch a couple of episodes and uh wait for the buzz to kick in while i'm watching the reruns and stuff and then mm-hmm. go forward with the new ones but it's still every time they do the bowl masters i can't i can't get over how funny i find that like it's just such like you know kind of like you're saying i think a lot of the show is a, a love letter to older anime um and they're, they're definitely going for that vibe but also kind of like taking the piss out of it at the same time and i i really appreciate that i think it uh it takes a certain level of skill and maturity to be able to like reference something you love in a positive way but also make fun of it at the same time right i'm uh i love that the main character is the over the top positive protagonist and he's also like you know a kid and that's like a number of those stupid uh shonens like naruto that never fucking end you know where he's just positive and over the top and everything's gonna be okay and like i'm What's the word? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna be like my idol one day. That's like such a over the fucking top trope that's just so played out. And in this one, it's like the idol is like the shittiest person ever. She's a yeah. drunk fat loser. <laughs> 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 uh, 
So, so I, I appreciate that too. It's a, it's a, it's a quality show. I, I very much like it. And, uh, I'm finishing this one. I've heard the animation changes and you've said that too. Like, is that season one to season two where it changes? No, it's just, it's the special after season two. Um, it might be, I think on HBO or whatever, they have it as the, the last episode of season two, but it's actually a special, um, and I think the creator basically said that like that's kind of what he wanted the animation to look like the whole time. It's just they didn't have the money for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like the older animation style better. I think there's more character to it. There's I love the animation style. I love how they I love how they swap like during the during the games you kind of swap from from the normal view of like just before the ball is going to be caught to like the really really intensive animation style where it's like one color background and everything in the foreground is black color and you get the action shots typically it's when Didi's beating the shit out of someone too that's like a common <laughs> scene where they start doing that um that's a, I, but I love that style I love the I love the basic style too um yeah I, I'm I like a lot of the characters it's a, it's a it's just a fun little quality show and I gar- I bet that at some point it will blow up. It will at some point, I think. If there's a new season, I guarantee you it will blow up. Yeah, but and I don't know. I think it's going to be, you know, something fucking Gen Beta uh, finds out in 40 years or something. Like, hey, this is actually like a good, good low-key quality show. And now we can, we can pretend to be the cool kids uh, for discovering this old thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, but, Zoom. That's a Zoomer thing. They're they're gonna find it at some point. It'll just yeah, be maybe, in like three or four years. Yeah, I, I forget how fast the world moves sometimes, or but, you know, nowadays. Yeah, and it's it's like the short amount of time per episode, so it's perfect for their attention spans. <laughs> It'll at some point that the standard will become eleven minutes an episode because there's no network to like shove it in a time slot anymore. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you remember um, that one. Uh, oh, fuck, it was it was either net. I think it was a Netflix show that had Emma Stone and Jonah Hill in it. I can't remember the name. It was like Mind Something. Um, I, don't, I don't remember the name of it because it wasn't that good of a show. Uh, but they kind of played with a format that, you know, being on a streaming platform, they didn't have to have consistent length episodes. So, like, I think the average was somewhere around fifty minutes, but somewhere like. 30 some minutes somewhere like you know 70 minutes mm-hmm. um i don't think that was a good format for television to be honest mm-hmm. it was a cool experiment but i do think um you're right that sort of the tiktokification of television is going to happen soon yeah. enough there were some I, th- I don't know if i don't think it was boardwalk but there was another show that uh Mm, that they, they they always played around might have been like Mandalorian or something where they played around with the time you know 35 to 65 minutes where it's just all over the place uh, also that show was called Maniac and Maniac yeah, in yes, retrospect right. that was like a that was like whatever it wasn't a it wasn't a great show it was like a okay show mm-hmm. but I actually did want to I want to move on one more uh, topic before the the pre-music piss break uh, I want to ask about PLA or PDLA. What was it called? DLPA. DLPA. There it is. Because I had yeah. seen one chart a long time ago. And, uh, and by long time ago, I mean like six-ish years. Actually, that's false. It was like four years. But it was like comparing some sort of cognitive test after some amount of time 
of using like caffeine and alcohol and then like marijuana and then like you know some number of other substances and like i think deep deep dlpa that's what it is got it Mm -hmm. uh was like number one in restoring like well boosting cognitive ability or like memory active active health and sort of stuff and i think i researched it at the time and it had only come in a powder and i'm i'm bad at like regularly using powder stuff like protein or creatine or something else but if it comes in a pill i'm like i could totally do that uh what do you think it helps what are your thoughts on that i do actually yeah i do think it helps um so i have taken it like on and off over the past year or so because i was kind of um reading some similar stuff where i'm like i i want something else uh because i can't fucking get adderall because the government's a fuck um maybe i could i've I've been reading some stuff about like getting an adderall script online but that's a different topic for a different day (laughs) uh but dlpa kind of stood out to me as like the most easily available like nootropic that is not expensive um so i said fuck it i'll try it out uh it stands for dextro level phenylalanine and um the dextro level part is just um there's a little bit of uh drug chemistry that i know um dextro and levo are just two different prefixes for um what you would call i guess stereoisomers i think is the word mm-hmm. um where dextro is um the molecular formula that um has something or you know the the difference is on the the right and levo is the same chemical formula but the difference in the structure is on the left and sometimes they can they 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 do tend to like do a little different things in the way your brain processes it because it's kind of like i don't i don't have a good analogy here i'm not even going to go for that um but I usually take it with an energy drink in the morning. And um, the first most notable effect that I feel is I think it it does help to like suppress appetite a little bit. Um, I find that when I take the DLPA either, when I take the DLPA with the energy drink, it, it I, I don't get as hungry in the morning as I would if I was just sipping on the energy drink. So I know it's not just that. Um, and it helps me kind of like put off my lunch break for a little longer if I want to like, you know, some days I just want to get most of my work done before lunch and then just kind of have after lunch to like fuck around and like play online chess. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know too much about what it would do to my memory. Um, I, I, I don't, I can't say I've noticed any difference there. Um, it does boost my mood a little bit. I would say that I'm definitely like less groggy, like more ready to, you know, get in action because I feel like the the energy drink or just caffeine in general will like wake me up, but it won't actually give me any motivation to do anything. Um, whereas with the DLPA, I'm like, you know what, I'm I'm ready to like go ahead and do this work right now. Like, let's let's knock it out. Mm-hmm. Um. So other than that, I don't think I've noticed any huge differences with it, but I'm a fan of it. Um, I haven't noticed any negative effects. Um, there's no withdrawals when I've stopped taking it. Um, I definitely went like months without it for a while. So there's no like there's no dependence or anything with it. Um I'm a fan. I, I appreciate it. And um 
I'm kind of at a point now where like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just pop a little pill, uh, once I get to the office and, um, everything's good. Mm -hmm. That's pretty solid. I, uh, I've, I've wanted to take it. The stuff I have, uh, in, in my little, like Sunday to Saturday pill thing is three, like gigantic men's multivitamins and they smell like fucking dog food like very pungent dog food and I'm just, it's disgusting. And I have been asked by the one coworker that sits behind me, the cool, the cool one. He's like, bro, what is, what are you eating over there? Like where he's like concerned. I'm like, it's this stupid <laughs> vitamin. I'm sorry. Uh, and then there's a, then there's a capsule of hydroxycut or hydroxycut, whatever that mm-hmm. one is. Yeah. And that has 200 milligrams of like caffeine in it. So I, I always kind of try to think about like a late day sip and uh, or like an alert thing or coffee. And I'm just like, oh, I got that pill. I could do that pill. And uh, it has a complete bad negative effect. Like I I completely lose all focus when I have when I have that hydroxycut thing, because I can I can be working on something. And then I'm just like my eyes can't focus. I space out and I'm just like, what was I doing? What was I doing? So. I'm, you know, definitely look, looking for something, sorry, that is more of a late day thing. And I think that that would be, that would be a positive, especially the the appetite suppression, because if I can like avoid coming back at like five, you know, home from work at five and, and eating, that would be great. I mean, I do anyway, but like any additional thing helps. I know caffeine is an appetite suppressant too. So, I mean, that, you know, has been a little bit of a positive on that. Uh, and then I have like a fish oil and a vitamin C thing. Do I need to have the vitamin C thing if I have the gigantic dog food multivitamin? Probably not. But I just I just kind of shove everything in there and uh, just call it a day. But I think I'll probably put in PLA instead of uh, probably instead of the hydroxy cut because that shit's too expensive. I got it once and I'm just like, I'm never going to actually like regularly buy this, you know, fucking subscribe to a hydroxy cut subscription that barely works. Uh, so yeah, I'm just going to swap in that hot PLA. I don't know why I keep calling it PLA. I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, you know, same. We know what you mean. Um, (laughs) the thing, (laughs) um, I sent you a link to like the brand that I bought and, um, I, I'm pretty sure I bought it on Amazon. I, I definitely didn't like go directly to their website. Um, but this was just the first thing that came up. I don't know about taking it in the afternoon. I don't think I've ever done that, but, um, sure. Fuck it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe I'll try that out soon and, and see how it goes. Helps in the production of dopamine, norepinephrine and epinephrine. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I would hope that, that this doesn't have like a negative withdrawal mentally. You know, because you lose those those happy chemicals. Yeah, I haven't found any sort of withdrawal or or negative effects from stopping taking it. And I took like months off and it even like, you know, if I if I give up caffeine for like a couple of days, my life starts to kind of suck a little bit. (laughs) I didn't notice that with this Um, other thing, though, you know. I, I I feel like I've talked about like that documentary that I watched about this a while ago um, in the hidden bonus episodes, but there's some documentary about supplements that I watched on 
HBO, I think a while back where it's just like, you really don't know what's in any of this stuff because it's not regulated. The FDA doesn't, uh, doesn't, you know, investigate anything marketed as a, as a supplement. Um, no one really does that. So good luck. Yeah, really? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna still try it at some point, you know, once I, once I get the second round of, of supplements, which should be kind of in like four days, I think I run out. So I appreciate bringing this up because I was like trying to actually find this for a while now and to know it comes in pills. That's like a great thing. Cause I can definitely do that. So yeah, soon it's enough, a big pill, though. it it's is big. kind of a big pill. Yeah. It's kind of a it's, big pill. It's 500 milligrams. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like I have like, you know, 200 milligram caffeine pills. And I would say this is, it's more than double that size. At least maybe it's just because it's like an oblong thing instead of a circle. But yeah, the fish oil uh, one is very, is a, is a fat pill. It's, it's very big. So it's probably the well, same of course size. It's, fat, it's oil. But, um, can I get a gun shot on that, please? One shot. All right. That sure. works too. Bullets in the gun. And the bullets in the gun. Okay. We said it. It is music week. I went and saw live music. Listened to a bunch of music today. Did not listen to a bunch of music yesterday because I was it was like Monday. I'm like trying to figure out what I'm doing like for the whole week. And uh listened to three albums today. But we gotta talk about we gotta go in depth on uh, on last week's music too. Do you wanna you wanna start that off? Yeah, um, let's do it. Yeah, I'm gonna try and be a little bit quicker about some of this because we're trying to get through it all. So I'm gonna uh, let's 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 actually let's do it like this. I'm gonna do it like this. Um, I'm gonna start with uh, my least favorite release of the last two weeks and work my way up um, because I I think that'll give me a a good uh a good handle on the time. So I'm going to start off with something that I listened to just this week. Um, this is the secret bonus EP that I sent you. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> High life. It's by uh, John Krausbauer and Patrick Shiroishi. Um, I don't know who John Krausbauer is, but Patrick Shiroishi is a member of a band called Fubutsushi. And uh, they put out, They've put out four albums so far um, and two EPs, and I think the albums are are meant to represent like different the different seasons. Um, I think that the their their first album, which is their self titled, um, is supposed to be fall, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and I thought that was really great. It's a, it came out in 2020. It's a ECM style jazz, which is uh, sort of named after ECM Records which was a, a mid-70s label that was opposed to a lot of the free jazz stuff that was going on and did more fusion stuff that uh, was influenced by, like, you know, had some classical elements and has later incorporated some ambient elements and all that kind of good stuff. Um, so you're getting more, like, calm, uh, more, not necessarily cool, 
because there's still, you know, some good soloing and stuff, uh, but it's, it's not, you know, the most fiery stuff out there. And I, I really do love that uh, Fubutsushi album. I have it as a four out of five right now, and I'm excited to explore the rest of their discography. Um, so I listened to this High Life EP, and um, it's about eight minutes long. There's four tracks, and I'm I'm just I'm just not too into it because it's it's free improvisation. I've never really gotten into free improvisation. Um, I I just think you know it's the kind of thing that like when you're when you're 16 and your parents hear you listening to like Burzum or something and they're like, Oh, this is just noise. Y- you play this because you're like, no, this is just noise. Um, and I just, I, I get, you know, there's, there's talent involved in it. Um, Krauss Bauer's on violin and keyboards and Shiroishi is on saxophone. And they both, I guess, do some vocals in here. I didn't really notice the vocals, but whatever, maybe they were just like some, some chanting or humming or something. I don't know. Uh, but this just was not an interesting release to me. This was eight minutes of uh, just stuff happening. And it's it's probably stuff that's like really fun to play. And I think it would be interesting to see live. But I'm never going to listen to this like on record again. So just because of the talent involved and uh, because my negative opinion is more just like personal distaste for the style, I, I'm going to start off here on a nice two out of five. Okay. Um, that's a little disappointing when you have a band member, you know, that puts out a really good album and then you listen to like some collab and you're like, what, why are you wasting your time with this? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. You know, you need your creative expression and whatnot. And maybe you don't want to be limited by compositional styles, but it's just not listener friendly. That's fair. I, uh, I also am going to start off with a two, two out of five. Um, I listened to a listened to an album today, uh, and I, I I believe that this is going to be where you say uh, where you said RYM genres have gone too far or something along those lines. <laughs> um, this is a this is a a person, an online person, uh, a Zoomer that is from Raceland, Louisiana. Is it a guy? I don't I don't know if it's a guy or not. I I don't think it's important if it's a Just girl. Yes. If it's Just a girl, yes. bitch, you making bad music. Uh, then Just yeah. say yes. Yes. Okay. What? You'll find out later. Oh, okay. Um. Oh no. Oh fuck! I figured it out. Fuck you. Come on. <laughs> I didn't look into it. Okay, I don't care. Going. I don't care about that. Um, this music, uh, this, this is a three song long album. The first one is 25 minutes long. The second song is 20 minutes long. Um, this is like, this is synth pop, but taken to the far extreme with no, you know, trying to be, uh, like spacious sounding and lack like a lack, like any sort of tempo whatsoever, aside from very, very sparsely placed points. This is like zero and a hundred, but it's not like zero to a hundred or it's, it's like turning a switch. It's like more like zero one, you know, zero or one, like a binary switch of, of just absolutely nothing going on or absolutely everything going on as fast as it can possibly be. Um, Without saying too much about where this stuff goes, beside it being like very 
mediocre house music or very mediocre club music that's trying to be, you know, insightful and thoughtful. Um, the first, the first song is Vaporwave taken from Everybody Wants to Rule the World, which I didn't think was bad. I, I thought it was okay at first. Uh, I think that's one of the songs that you can you can do some pretty good Vaporwave stuff. Uh, if I ever hear Vaporwave of uh, Africa by Toto again, uh, I'm giving it a 0.5, like reflexive, reflective, instinctively. It's happening. Uh, if I do hear it again, I will destroy someone. Um, and then the second song was uh, was a Vaporwave mashup of Forever by Drake. Uh, and and I, I, I almost stopped listening completely. <laughs> I was very close to stop stop just stopping it all together me just saying that i have i've downgraded the score to a 1.5 uh i i fucking hate this album <laughs> i hate this album but it's not instinct like on its own there's nothing that's like overtly offensive besides the drake part and when i heard that i was so i was so upset uh, I threw the last song on Void Killer because it was the shortest and it was like just a hundred all the time, you know, clubby sort of house synth pop stuff that, you know, people probably have an aneurysm to when they're on ecstasy. Uh, but that was, you know, I'm not putting a 20 fucking minute long song on, on all the, any of this shit. So I threw that one on. Uh, this was this was the last song album I listened to, by the way. Like there was there was one of the three that I put today that I really loved and I listened to three times. And I started playing this with about 50 minutes left in my workday. And then like with 10 minutes left before I was gonna leave, I heard the fucking Drake thing. I'm just like, God damn it, I'm sick of today. <laughs> so yeah, this gets a 1.5. This is a live by Cacola, by the way. I did not say that. Uh, the artist is C A C O L A. Yeah, um, I I actually okay. Two quick things. I was uh, out on uh, Saturday night and I heard uh, some 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 song. I guess I don't know the name of the song, but it had like a Drake guest verse or maybe it was a Drake song. I don't know. And I was like, I can't. If if I hear that guy's voice again, I. I might, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I might have to do something violent because I, <laughs> it's just fucking annoying at this point, man. Like, can he go away? Can, yeah. why are people still even sample? Like people are fucking sampling him. Give it. He's, he's still working. Don't sample him while he's still working, especially when he's fucking everywhere. Like calm, get it out of here. Uh, but this is also where I was like, the genres have gone too far. Like dream punk, like, come on. Um, that's the primary here. It's, and it's just a vaporwave subgenre. Like I hate the whole. I hate all of the like like punk suffix kind of stuff. Like steampunk, cyberpunk. I'm like, what's punk about this? I don't understand. Um, call it something else. Uh, but also slush wave. The fuck is slush wave? <laughs> That's not a thing. That's really not a thing. I've never heard of something called slush wave in my life. <laughs> there's there's no point to this like this is these are like you're saying people who are just spending too much time online and they're like it, it, i used to like shit on like metal fans for you know getting all into their subgenres, but i think people who like actively listen to vaporwave which how the fuck do you actively listen to vaporwave at that uh i get liking the you know here and there vaporwave release but like you you know really getting into it uh these people have must have no lives 
they they cannot be like people that function in the real world as like you know regular people these people have body pillows uh these people bring their nintendo 3ds's to work uh these people um they fucking eat boneless wings that's all i gotta say oh he's taking shots he's taking shots at the boneless wing. <laughs> Uh, I gotta say, uh, boneless wings are fucking boring. They're they're only made so that you can stick them on a fork and dip them in like ranch. Ranch. No, eaters. they're made. They're made so adults can have chicken nuggets without having to order chicken nuggets. Yeah, I agree with the two. Slush Wave has a four paragraph long explanation on what it is and what the what the bands that have done it, if you can even call them bands distinguishes itself, no it doesn't, by its strong reliance <laughs> on heavy sample manipulation to deliver a hypnagogic, there's a word that needs to go away, thick sound distinctive to the style. The style is distinctive of the style. Just, uh, just t- 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 end it, fam. End it, fam. <laughs> just end it, fam. I'm finished. I'm done talking about this shit. It was bad. One, 1. 1.5 out of 5. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sorry you had to sit through these like 20 minute uh, dream punk slush wave tracks. Which okay, I also see we got post metal as a secondary here. Does it earn that at least? Do you get any Fuck like no. progressive house makes? Fuck no, <laughs> not even progressive house. Fuck no. Um, it's just space house. ambient. Space ambient looks like it can make sense just because the artwork is in space. I wouldn't even say it's space ambient. Not even close. The artist, the artist's page for their like genres is far more accurate than the uh, album's page. The album's page is like a jerk offy mess, where like vaporwave and uh, like mashup. That's it's far more like that. You know, this person has a a bolded album from uh, 2019 called "The Angel, The Demon," um, but also. There's a comma after angel, and there's also a comma after demon, which is like, I hate when people do that shit. I really hate when people like will put like punctuation in a title that just doesn't make sense. Um, I I can understand it when it's like a stylistic thing, um, but not when it interferes with like how I actually read it. Like mm-hmm. the angel, the demon. What's next? Mentally There's got to be something next. <laughs> yeah, there is like a mental like pause idiot. there. Like, There's got to be something. Like, what did you did you just like? You were so tired of your own music that you couldn't even come up with a full title for it. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, but the primaries there are just synth pop and progressive electronics. So this doesn't even seem like it's somewhat related. This is 124 minutes long, by the way. So I'm never gonna listen to it. <laughs> never ever listening to that shit. Yeah. But. What I'll was a slightly here. better album? Yeah, I'll keep it going here. Uh, slightly better album. Um, you know, Animal Collective are in the news again. Oh, are they? Are they actually they are. in the news? They're in the news because they have recently remastered and re-released their first album. Which is 2000 Spirit, They're Gone, Spirit, They Vanished. Uh, I'm not too into that outside of a few songs. I know you actively dislike that album. Uh, but to go along with their re-release, they are releasing a bonus EP called A Night at Mr. Raindrop's Holistic Supermarket, which is a fucking terrible, also quirky <laughs> title. Um, but it's a set of other recordings from around that time. 
Um, the first song, as an angel, it's it's an alternate take of a song on Spirit called La Rape. Um, I didn't really like that song in the first place. This version has more acoustic guitars, uh, some some high pitched swirling psychedelic keys, and uh, more vocal effects. And uh, I think it's worse. I will never listen to that song again. Um, Untitled Number One is the next song, and I was expecting an alternate take on one of the only songs I love from Spirit, which is called Untitled, which is the psychedelic noise jam. Uh, but this is a whole separate thing, and it's just kind of decent. I don't really have much to say about it. Like, if you like the stuff from the Spirit era, you'd probably like that. But I know neither of us are too into it, so you know, just pass there. Uh, then there's Bus Travel New York Tear My Face Off Part One. Again, terrible title, and it's tear spelt like the tear in AV tear. Uh, fuck off. Fine, <laughs> <you know? laughs> Whatever. Okay, I'm already fucking done with this shit. Um, but that's actually like kind of a good track. It starts off with some like soft moving piano uh, before it gets kind of like overwhelmed and swallowed up by noise and some more synth keys and a French audio sample. Um, I'm, I'm into it. Uh, Dreams is the next song. and It's just bad. I don't even know what the idea is there, but AV should have left that one in the dustbin of history. And then there is Bus Travel, blah, 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 part two, which is the same thing as part one. Um, you know, it adds to the Anko lore. Uh, people who are really into Spirit would like this. Um, I actually think you might like this a little bit more than Spirit because it it doesn't do any of the worst stuff that happens on Spirit. That's really annoying. Uh, but I'm I'm not too into it. Uh, I'm giving this a tentative 2.5. It could bounce to a two later on if if I listen to it again and uh, you know my mood's just not in the right place. This is kind of sitting on that borderline between bad and mediocre. Um, I, I still don't even understand like what the praise for spirit is and where it came from and why people love that so much. Um, I think it's just kind of annoying for the most part outside of like the, the few gems that, that kind of showcase some stuff that might show up in future records that they do better anyway there, but that's it, you know, for now, 2.5 animal collective night at Mr. Raindrops holistic supermarket. This is 86. You listen to all 86 minutes of this? No, no, no. I didn't I didn't listen to the whole Spirit re-release. I just listened to the bonus tracks. Okay. So it was like so, 20 minutes. Yeah, those are the last five. Yeah, disc 2. Um Okay, interesting. Yeah, I'm 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 not surprised. I I'm surprised I'm surprised that they haven't done this sooner to try and re They're they're just really doing all sorts of stuff to to generate the steam uh, or stream listens. Um yeah, I, I'm surprised that they didn't try this sooner. Uh, which of any of these songs do you think has the lowest rating by a significant margin? Ooh, ooh. Um, it's definitely not Untitled Number One. Um, no, I, I'm going to go with 4.8, by the way. That's yeah, like really people high. are loving that one. I'm going to go with As an Angel just because it's a re release of a track that already happened, so there's no novelty bonus for it. That's stupid. That's like actually dumb. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, as an angel has a four point three. Okay. Untitled number one has then a four point eight. It is dreams. Dreams yeah, has a three point nine. It it deserves nowhere near that. <laughs> well, I mean, a for a single song. track, for for a single or for a track rating, I mean, like track uh, ratings are very high right. in general. Yeah, you're right. But even still, I mean, go listen to dreams, and you'll be like, wow, what the fuck? Why would anyone think this was a good idea to release this? Mm-hmm. Should have left it in the dustbin. Anyway, they're in the news. They're probably going to be in the news again in like six months when they release their next work. Anyway, so (laughs) uh, I've got a 
I have got something that's going to be lost in like two weeks. I will probably never remember this shit. This was, uh, this was a work by the artist Avalon Emerson, uh, who was kind of surprised was not performing at some of these festivals that I've seen out. She released a, uh, I think she, now I don't fucking know anymore. You, you fucked me with that. <laughs> This person released uh, an album called And the Charm, and And has the ampersand symbol. Uh, this was their debut album, so, you know, shout out to them. Shout out to making an album. Uh, I won't ever shit on someone for, for put, finally putting out an album. Uh, this is after, like, nine years of EPs, though, which, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you should have done this, like, a while ago. Um, but anyway, we have... Uh, we have about a, just a hair under 40 minutes long, nine songs. Uh, this The list of genres are, you know, down-tempo Indie-tronica. Um, I've got to say that this is this is one step above bedroom pop, uh, and it's like 40 minutes long. There was not a lot of remember remembering, like, good songs that were on here. Uh, I will say that the one song that made me, like, kind of perk up was karaoke song and that's what i ended up putting on the uh the list and the closing lyrics are uh what time zone do you see the moon from are you missing your home what did you wear on halloween does your life now make you feel complete and that has like a kind of weird rhythm see the way it's sung it has kind of a a weird uh rhyming sequence with halloween feel complete and then it's and then she says where did the time go and I was having a good day and it's like kind of the whole moving thing and then not knowing everyone and not knowing anyone. And I'm just like, man, fuck you. I don't need to listen to this shit right now. <laughs> so I was I was upset with that. But I mean, overall, this is just a, you know, nice, quiet, lush female vocal kind of album on that doesn't have a super high energy, which can be good sometimes. But uh, I will say The Stone, that song has a we talked about track ratings. That song has a 3.5, which pretty much for uh, track ratings, that might as well be like a two rated, um, you know, uh, for an album. But overall, I mean, this is just kind of okay. There's not really a whole lot of experimental, you know, stuff going on with the different, you know, you got a tambourine shake at that one rhythm that every indie Tronica artist shakes a tambourine at. Uh, you have a couple different 808 sounds. You have, you know, a couple different female vocal ranges that she hits. That's not just mumbling bedroom pop. Yeah, this is this is getting thrown in the 2.5s and never to return. Uh, two out, two point five out of five. There's there's like nothing else to say about this album. Yeah, you know, I feel like that's it's a good thing cure. and a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? What? what I said it's insomnia cure. Oh, insomnia cure. <laughs> there you go. I think yeah, that's that's a uh, you know a good thing and a bad thing about those releases is that on the one hand you don't have much to say about it, but on the other hand you really don't have much to say about it. Uh, all right, I'm gonna keep it pushing here. I'm gonna get to one that I pre-reviewed last week here. Uh, this is by a band named Soft Cult. One word. Um, I I tend to like bands with cult in their name. I don't know why. I just think it's like, you know, it's a good aesthetic. Uh, they're from Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. I don't know where Kitchener is. It's probably like some small town somewhere. I don't give a fuck. Uh, they're 
they've put out two EPs before. Um, their new EP in 2023 is called See You in the Dark. It came out March 24th. It's about 20 minutes long. Um, we got primaries of Shoegaze, Dream Pop, Indie Rock. Um, this kind of got a lot of buzz, or a decent amount of buzz when it came out. And um, right now it's the number 31 EP of the year, but last week it was number 22. So people are, you know, understanding my viewpoint because it's going down. Um, Soft Cult is a Canadian two-woman band with Phoenix Arnhorn on vocals and drums and Mercedes Arnhorn on vocals and guitar. Uh, you'll notice they have the same last name, and that's because they're twin sisters. Um, one of them is blonde, though, and one of them, I guess, is uh, like brunette or like dyed her hair black. I, one of them dyed their hair. I can't remember which one. I, I haven't looked at a picture of them in a while. Uh, you know, they're playing the shoegaze dream pop spears, so it's really textured stuff. And um, about half of it, I would say, is just competent takes on the genre cliches. And the other half is actually kind of solid. Uh, I like the song Dress here. That one has a few different moving pieces because it's built on this like bouncy indie rock drum beat and has some interesting acoustic guitar breaks. Um, but outside of that, I didn't really hear anything noteworthy here. Uh, it was never bad. I would say this was never bad. And because it's quick and, you know, play some genres that I like. Uh, I appreciate it um, for a newer band. I think it's a decent 20 minutes. It's not really an essential stop on your listening journey for this year, but it's enough to keep me hanging around to see what comes next. So I'm going to, I'm going to plug soft cult. See you in the dark at a solid three out of five. I think I want to, I want to hear what they do after this. Mm -hmm. That um, I remember actually looking this up last week. They do have three albums. Uh, this was their third, and they've been doing one every single... Or not albums, sorry, EPs. I always just look at the first entry as an EP. <laughs> um, yeah, man, when are they going to do it? When Are they, are they going to wait nine years and then put out an album? Or, or what, are we, what are we doing here? A lot of yeah, singles. You know, people, people were thinking that, like, okay, they put up the two EPs, they're going to go for an album next, but no, nah, just not quite there yet. And I'm not mad at it. I like a good EP. I just, you know... Uh, I, I think if they were just doing this, it wouldn't translate very well to a full length anyway. Um, I, I think there's talent here. I want to see more diversity in the songwriting. Um, I want to see more songs like Dress where they're kind of throwing in some extra elements that aren't just, oh, here's a like reverb, distorted guitar, and some soft vocals over it. Um, and I think they can do it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I, I can't say I'm looking forward to what they do next because even if they never put anything else out, I'm not going to be like upset about that. But I can see them doing something pretty good, you know, maybe the end of this year or next year. Mm -hmm. I uh, what do you what do you think about bands where their EP and single release images? I don't know if you call them a single cover release. Uh, three colors: white, black, and red. What what do you think about that? I think simplicity can help. I think there's nothing wrong with you know having a sort of minimalist style as long as it's consistent um i like that they do the little cutouts i guess for uh, their like the the titles it mm -hmm. looks like they like you know put it together from a collage or something i think that's a cool aesthetic so like i i do i do fuck with what soft Gold's doing um i really hope they do something impressive soon like it'd be it'd be cool to see them do something pretty good that gets a a lot of uh, a lot of attention mm-hmm 
I will uh, be on the lookout too because if there's any like any good new shoegaze coming out at some point, you know, I'm thinking like a, a 30, 33 minute long album. That's mm -hmm. I'm I'm all in. I'm all in on it. Um, moving on, I've got a I've got a an artist from from the country of Brazil uh, under the genre MPB. Which is just mm -hmm. popular, which just means popular Brazilian music. Which okay, mm -hmm. that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> they have a fucking whole genre for just popular music of popular Brasileira. Um, formed in the mid 1960s as a modern version of bossa nova and samba. Uh, apparently, it's supposed to have a lot of different influences on it. I think that's probably. I would say that's accurate. I think there's a lot of African influence on on this, and that's really evident from uh, from the from the namesake uh, song called Coração. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Coração bifurcado. I don't know how to say the a. I've just I've just always seen it like with O's, and I just go ow. I don't know if there's a different way to say the a, um, but I think that there were there were a number of um, this is a love album, and uh, it it is very interesting to see a man that's that I think it says he was born in 1943. So do the math. This guy's this guy's 80 years old, and he's he's out here making a love album at 80. And there's not a lot of people that could live that long and still kind of express, you know, such you know like opinions on love and and all like good music about love. Um, I think that. A lot of people are going are going to appreciate this, and I do appreciate some of it. There's just a lot of lingering things about it that um, I think Con the Coruscant by Fercado is a great song. It's got the it's got the African choir or the African like uh, you know the African tribe you know doing you know singing the lyrics to it in the background, which I think is really cool with samba. And I like a lot of the um, he has three female vocalists on here the first one maria bethania is is the low is definitely on the low end of the of the tone for females i'm not sure you know you have your uh the female like tenor or soprano like what's the what's the female singer vocal range like the formal name for all of those i don't i don't fucking know this shit man i don't, I don't <laughs> i'm not smart i'm dumb tenor is the oh no i fucking typed in female and it gives me the male but it's this dumb thing anyway we have um yeah so we have i think it's alto alto is the uh the low end for um for a female or that no, that might not be right let's just ditch all of that um <laughs> <laughs> um but the low end for the first song which i actually i, I really liked um the second one uh nara leao uh, was kind of more towards the middle. I didn't really get a whole lot from it. And most of these songs serve as kind of like reprieves or ballads between more fiery songs that, that are on either end of them. There's also uh, on the near the end, which I was very close to putting as the one song, uh, was Na Ozeti. And she was kind of the more middle slash middle to high range from the female vocal and that was she she sang very 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 well this was like almost expert level singing i was very very impressed with kind of the just i love her melody it's really 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 good 
And uh, I think that they kind of played this sort of love song out to be really well. I think the lingering things that rub me the wrong way is, is the is the general delivery of the of the songs in Portuguese. It is such it is it it's you kind of hear it's like Spanish for two thirds of it, but then you kind of hear there's a lot of words that have or or are pronunciated with b's or p's or it kind of sounds like it's coming from the back of the throat. And I know that's, that may just kind of be a, a feature of, of Portuguese when you're so commonly used to listening to Spanish or, uh, or even Italian. But the thing that combines with that is that the singer, you know, the, the main singer, which is Yards Macale, his, his voice is on the very, very low end. So when you hear a lot of the guttural st- well, the guttural stuff that comes from Portuguese, you know, the vocal delivery is is, is kind of like that. It's just the vocal delivery. There isn't a lot of singing. It is a little bit more spoken word with a little bit of melody every every now and then when he throws it in. But I was not super enthused with uh, with him as a singer on this. I think more as a songwriter and maybe an instrumentalist, I would like him a lot more. Um trying to see if i could find any credits for where he is on this because if if he does a lot of the background samba stuff i would uh i would be more inclined to to say that he's a lot more talented and he's got stuff that goes back to 1972 so this is a this is a 51 year um which is a bolded album back in 1972 which is very much likely under the uh you know, more traditional samba or actually this is blues rock from 50 years ago. So that might be really solid. We got blues, psych rock and experimental, but, but as far as this, I wasn't really getting a lot of, a lot of emotion uh, aside from the, the female, you know, feature songs. I, I'm hitting this with a 2.5. I like a lot of this, like a lot of the general samba style, but I don't think a lot of this really delivered for me. Um, I think that some people will like this a lot. I'm sure that once we get a listener from Brazil, um, he's probably going to try to start doxing me and find my house and try to fuck <laughs> me up for, for doing this. But I'm sorry. I, I It just did not hit as much as I wanted it to. And I was really excited because I I love listening to Samba and uh, general Brazilian music because I, I think it's underrated. I think the whole continent's underrated, but I did not get it on this one. So I'm hitting a 2.5. I think there's there's too many people in Brazil for it to be underrated. Um, that is, I mean, you know, I I when you mentioned that this or this guy's debut was from like '72 or something, I went and looked him up. I'm like, I'm I'm sure I've, you know, because I'm doing the whole album a day project for all these different years. I'm like, how did I come across this one at all? Like, did I skip it? And the artwork definitely looks familiar. Um, but it ends up turning out the album that I listened to that year was another Brazilian album. Um, you want some good Brazilian music, go listen to Arthur Verakai's debut. That's a good one. Um, I'm frustrated you weren't into, or not frustrated, but like it's, it sucks that you weren't into this one. Um, and maybe, you know, it just has to do with the, uh, like the, the, modern elements in it or whatever but uh brazil was definitely doing some great things in 72 how do you spell a uh, verikai i i just sent you the link in the chat oh there we go it's it's also 29 minutes long so not a not a huge investment at the time mm-hmm. 
Well, this will be one I definitely listen to at some point. Yeah, this has got it's it's crazy because this person's got three thousand ratings for his first one. Never made any more music or or released it or or is at least listed on ROM. And then he's like came back after thirty some thirty five years and he's like, oh shit, guys, please listen to my music. And everyone's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, who who knows what he was uh what he was doing in that meantime? But uh, I'll keep it pushing here. I'll keep it pushing here. Um. I'm going to move on to another album that I had talked about or pre-reviewed last week, uh, which was actually my name for whatever I named myself last week. This is uh, an album called Why Does the Earth Give Us People to Love? Uh, And it's by Kara Jackson. This is her debut album. Um, And again, I don't know how much of this I went through in the pre-review, but I'll I'll probably say a lot of the same things that I said there. she is no stranger to the arts. Uh, from 2019 to 2020, she was the United States National Youth Poet Laureate. So, you know, that's a good way to get some buzz going. Um, and again, I've still kind of gone back and forth on this one. Um, initially, I kind of had it as a, like, oh, this was decent. Oh, sorry, excuse me. I just burped. Um, but then uh, I was kind of hit by the title track here. And I'm going to skip a lot of, you know, what I might have said last week and just go down to maybe something else I said last week. I don't know. I didn't really listen to that one when I was talking about shit because I was kind of drunk and I was like, ah, <laughs> we can skip that. Um, the title track here, there was a user named Dovic, D-O-V-I-C. Do you remember if I talked about this guy last week? I do not remember. Okay. Uh, well, so he came by the comment box to say the album title is so cringe. Oh, and, um, you know, just reading it, it does seem a little melodramatic. Why does the earth give us people to love? It's kind of like, all right, that's that could be a bit much. Um, but if he actually listened to the music, you know, did that, you know, LTM. You would have heard that uh, it's a reference to Kara's best friend, Maya, who died of cancer at 17 years old. So um, wow. that's, you know, it's that's pretty intense stuff and that can absolutely you know make you ask yourself fuck why does the earth give us people to love and that's sort of what a lot of that track you know which is a seven minute song which is mostly just Kara on vocals with her guitar um just asking you know like what the fuck like why why are these people even here if they're just gonna like die like what's what's the whole point of it all um and there's a really touching moment at the end where um Kara, her voice is actually kind of lower on the register. Um, looking at the cover, I wasn't really expecting that. I was expecting, you know, we were talking about female vocal ranges just a little bit earlier. I was expecting something like that. But her vocals are, you know, this would definitely deserve the androgynous vocals tag, which it doesn't have on there because, I don't know, it's just RYM. Um, and uh, there's, there's this moment at the end where she's singing a, uh, I'll make a promise to you then if we can ever sing again. You sing those high notes high, my friend. I'll sing the low notes at the end. And it's just delivered in like this perfect way where you can like hear the honesty and the pain behind it. And it's definitely like a a real highlight of that album for me. Um, but the song I added to the playlist is a song called No Fun Slash Party, which is a sort of you know, a little bit slow finger picked contemporary folk track that has some cool twists and turns in it. Uh, it's it's 
pretty dynamic, even as slow and sad as it is. Um, but well, you know, uh, I'm going to send you this link one more time and, uh, you tell me what you think my main complaint here is going to be. Oh, I was going to say that it's 52 minutes long. That is it. That's it. Uh, Even this that's did not too need long? To be, Come on. That, this, this did not need to be Jesus. 52 minutes long, man. This this really did not need to be 52 minutes long. I'm not saying that this is, like, too long. I'm just saying that, like, there's not enough going on here to justify the length. Um, you could easily cut this down to, like, a like a 44, you know, 45, 46 minute album like you could shave you know close to 10 minutes off of this thing and i don't i don't think you really lose much um it's a mix of like there, there are two songs here that are over seven minutes um there's another two that are or there's another three that are over five minutes and then the rest of the 13 are pretty much all less than than three Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is a, it makes for like a very disjointed listening experience. Um, n- nothing here again, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not bothered by anything here. And there, there generally is a lot of variety in the instrumentation where some of it is just kind of simple stripped down stuff with Kara on the guitar. And there's some other stuff where there's, you know, some more gentle orchestration going on. Um, but I don't know. I, I one of the things I've definitely gotten more conscious of um, listening to some older music for that listening project is that like they used to have physical restrictions on how much music they could record, and I think that was a good thing. Um, I think now that we're in like the digital age, you know, the not even just the CD era where you still had like a visit phys- or you still like primarily had your physical CD to release. Um, you know, it's also the just streaming iTunes, Apple Music kind of era. Uh, Spotify, of course, got to give a shout out to our corporate sponsors who <laughs> actually have, well, you know, I'm not going to get into that. Um, I think there's there's just less quality control going on nowadays. And that's why I get so bothered by a lot of these albums that are, you know, more than 45 minutes long because it's like you didn't have to do that. Like, maybe you had a lot that you had to get out, but there's there's a better way to portion that material. It's kind of like if you're if you're going out to a good restaurant and um you know the chef gives you like a just like this huge meal, even if it's all good food, you're gonna be like, this is just too much. Like you could have you could have cut down on this. And I know uh, food analogy, we're doing it again. We're fucking doing it again. Uh but <laughs> I think it fits. I think it fits. Um, just you gotta, you gotta give, you gotta learn quality control, and I think Kara will do that in the future. I hope because she's an interesting artist to look out for. Um, I loved some of the, you know, we got secondaries here of Americana, alt country, and chamber folk, which they also have a primary of chamber folk. But you know, fuck it. Um, I love, you know, the different sounds that are going on here. And I think she's got a lot of range stylistically, 
at a, you know, I think a lot of the arrangements here when they come in are, are pretty great. Um, the supporting cast over here, which is doing a few things, I'm not going to name them, but uh, they're, they're definitely putting in work here. And uh, she's got great vision. And um, this is potentially the first release or the first album of an artist who could put out something great in the future. And um, okay. It's another person that I'll be following very closely and hoping, you know, that that all the pieces fit together in the right way. But for right now, I got to slap this with the three out of five because it's a good listen, but I'm probably not going to come back to it. I think it's a I think it's very good that you led with that. She had a, a poetry acclamation um, because that I, 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 I think I would be very interested to hear poets you know, actually writing music because yeah, you get something like, why does the earth give us people to love? I mean, that's a, you know, with some insight, that's a really good line. And I'm sure lyrically that this is probably a very smart album. I, uh, I want to say one thing, uh, dickhead blues is getting a lot of, uh, getting a lot of buzz. What do you think about that? It's a good song. I like dickhead blues. Um, I, I would push back a little bit. Um, one of the things that I was actually surprised at listening to this is that I thought the lyrics were going to be a little bit more poetic. Um, <laughs> I thought I was going to be in for like some very complex, I don't know, imagery and like metaphors and shit. But generally, it's like pretty simple stuff. Um, I wasn't really too impressed with a lot of the lyrics here. And maybe it's just because, it, you know, it's, it's a different art form. You know, when you adjust your poetry to be performed over music like how do you do that without doing like some cheesy spoken word stuff right um so i was actually you know on the one hand kind of surprised and maybe a little um maybe i was a little bit harsher on this because she's a poet laureate or youth poet laureate and i was expecting a little bit more but um i haven't read any of her poetry so i, I don't really know if there's a difference between what she would write just in the context of something that's meant to be you know, just read in a book or maybe just, you know, delivered aloud at like a, a poetry reading and um, the kind of thing she would write as a lyric. Um, but Dickhead Blues is, Dickhead Blues is, is kind of good. Um, it's, uh, it's a good song. That's all I'll say about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to move to, I got a three out of five. Um, this is a, this is a album called Variables by alpha mist alpha mist is a uh, is a person also known as alpha sec leko uh, i think that's you know derived from from nigeria or some or uh, or some neighboring country uh, he is in london born in london and he has this al this album he's done uh, three previous ones kind of every actually yeah every other year uh man loves odd years that's that's what i have to, to take from this only releases music in odd years um so we have a 44 minute long jazz fusion uh uk hip-hop neo soul album and uh there's some pretty decent stuff on here i uh uh he does hit on a little bit of social stuff i think in borderline and um there's a lot of like little, you know, little good stuff. Some of these beats are, are nice. They're not super, you know, this is, they're not super like in your face. This is, this is like really solid, smooth listening. Uh, I think, you know, I had a thought when listening to this, that this would kind of be 
a um you know we had talked in in times like where is hip-hop going uh a lot of different directions i think neo soul is one of them i think it's probably in my opinion a little bit of more mature direction for some you know rather than like plug or or cloud rap like that shit can go and die i don't fucking care about any of that um but this is this is a solid direction that i like to see some works from especially stuff that's outside the u.s you get a little bit more of a of a different perspective um you know and it's of course the uk is really not that far off you know it's you know mary the 51st state or something um but yeah, there was a lot of stuff. Borderline has a great has a great quiet beat with uh, with some with some decent bars over. Uh, Age dies has a nice female feature that has, you know, I, this is one thing that I had said that there is a Kendrick song on here. There's a lot of Kendrick influences on this, and I and I it's very interesting to kind of see, you know, over a decade or not over a decade, kind of a decade ish from from when he was very you know very 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 popular not as much nowadays as he's kind of just put out an album every four years or so or every five years and then you know maybe does a feature here and there but i think he's you know kind of his his you know as the number one actor as the forefront of hip-hop he's kind of not in it anymore um we're seeing a lot of similar works and age dies has one where you kind of get the female lead singing um you know, in the in the forefront of the production that I think Alpha is is credited for. Um, this it was it was very. I liked a lot of it. I mean, I liked a lot of the. You know, you have your chorus leading into some smoother smoother uh, stuff that just kind of devolves into. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, this is a tough one to describe. I. I really, um, yeah, this is a tough one to describe, but I think you're going to find a lot. You're going to find a lot of synergy from this one with some stuff that was early 2010s. And I think that that would be the closest, the closest, uh, comparison to make with this album. Uh, cycles is another one that really feels a little 2010s ish from cycles kind of to, you know, from cycles to, I would say variables. There's a lot of just different ideas. Cycles and the gist are a little bit of the jazz, lack of a better term, wankery, uh, kind of fitting because it's London, lol. Um, but <laughs> the gist is a little all over the place. Just you know, this is more your improv stuff, your free jazz. That it's just shoved right in the middle. Which, all right, yeah, I'm I'm here for it. Makes for kind of a nice section break between between lyrical stuff. Uh, then you have Genda Go Away, which has a little bit, you know, this is definitely something that uh, it gets a little bit more uh, Afro-Caribbean from here on. From Genda and Afo, uh, those two have a little bit more African influence that I that I kind of enjoyed. Um, Afo has Bongaziwe Mabandla, Mabandla, and he, this is, this is one that's, you know, this is Kind of similar to the African choir amount of influence, but this is a different uh, this is a different type of influence. Um, this is kind of like what is it? There's a there's a certain style that you say like one word and it's kind of like wait for a chorus to come in from it. 
it's it's like a call word but there's a there's a certain african style for it that has a that has a name that I, that's escaping me um fourth feb stay awake is the song that i was referring to when i when i said there is a kendrick song in here uh you put this shit in you put this shit near the front this is this is like you'd have a this is a 4.4 easily this is this would be like top 100 single of the year um this is this is a really fucking nice song uh it is a little quieter is a low energy but the lyrics are good and i know at one point during this the the one i don't know if you like this or not but when a hip-hop artist like does one of those things where he says a line and it is the fourth wall break where he he crumples up a piece of paper and he says no i don't like that or he says in the song no that's too dark i don't want that what do, what do you think on the fourth wall breaks i dig it i i uh i like uh you know one of an album i find very not overrated because i hate using that word but maybe a little over appreciated is uh Illmatic, obviously by Nas. Um, and you know, he starts off New York State of Mind, which is one of my favorite songs of all time, where he goes, I don't know how to start this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so straight yeah. out the fucking dungeons of rap fake niggas don't make it back. Ah, I don't know how to start this shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that's a fucking great way to start it, but um, yeah. Uh I appreciate that. So that was that featured on this song that was at one point he crumples it up and he says, No, nah, that's too dark. And it was, it caught me off guard and I, I really liked it because I didn't know if I liked it or not at first, but the more I listened to this album, the more I really liked it. And then we got a smooth strings play out kind of about two minutes in, which I really enjoyed. And then you have a, you know, an ending track that is a, a very, very long, I don't even want to spoil it at this point because this is, this is easily the highlight of the, uh, of all of the instrumentation. You got some crazy jazz. You got some crazy saxophones. You got some crazy guitars playing in on it. I'm not even going to spoil it. I can't even describe it. It's a total wall of sound that's just all over the place. Total improvisation. Um, I'm feeling... I'm feeling a three on this because I think it did get a little bit too long. I think that this... If you just cut out Genda... Or not Genda, sorry. If you cut out the gist and cycles, this is like a four. But with it... It's it's like a it's just a like a nine minute long break in the action, and I think it takes away a lot of the the energy that could have been made otherwise. Because I don't think that the um, I think that some of the earlier you know while it was low energy, I would have liked some juxtaposition instead of you know kind of carrying. Because if you just cut it off at the gist, you know, and, and bored listeners get you know tired you know like tired of the low energy like there is some really good shit at the end near the end of this album that i think should have been rearranged better but i'm giving this a three i think this is worth a listen um this is alpha mist you know with the with the album variables yeah um i see what you're saying here we're like you know i almost feel like this is something that's I don't mind the the eight minute track here uh, with the gist seven forty six um, because it looks like it's kind of structured like uh, kind of like older LPs would have been structured where okay this is the end of the A side so we're doing our big long last minute song and they do the same thing on the B side too mm-hmm. uh, where BC is seven and a half minutes so I think I could I could get into that kind of structure. Um, forward also at about seven minutes that's is it really a forward if it's like 
the third longest chapter. <laughs> you know, yeah. can, you, can you do that? It's like um, intro and it's like six minutes long. You're like, what the yeah, fuck? Like, come on, man. Um, but that's good. I I uh, I like the tags here. I uh, I like your review. I will definitely check this one out before the year ends. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say I'll get to it in any time in the near future, but um, at least I'll listen to this guy's debut antiphon because that that has fourteen hundred ratings, uh, and you know everything else has less than five hundred fifty so far. So. I'll at least check out that one and see if I actually like this guy enough to keep going. Uh, but he did the same thing there where the first song is fucking 11 minutes long. <laughs> like, come on, man. What do you... Dare the I say filtered? Is... <laughs> <laughs> the first song can be a filter, but look, I'm not opposed to the first song being a filter if it's just something that's like kind of like difficult. Um, fine, but... You know, generally the first song is supposed to be the one that makes someone want to listen to the rest of the song. So if you're doing your 11 minute shit for the first song, if it's not like just some, uh, dare I say, epic material, then, you know, you're going to put a lot of people off. But Mm -hmm. it's all good. It's all good. Uh, I will keep on going to what I think is the first uh, the first release that I really like so far out of all this stuff that we've gotten to. Um, this is something that I just listened to this week and, um, this is a, a rare jazz band collab. You really don't see too often that two separate jazz bands do an album together. And these two bands are EABS, E-A-B-S, which stands for electroacoustic beat sessions, kind of a pretentious name, but I'm not going to give them flack for it today. Um, and, uh, Jalby which uh, is just J-A-U-B-I. Ebs are out of Poland, and Jalbi is out of Pakistan. Uh, So these are two bands who released their music through the label Astigmatic Records, and uh, I'm I'm figuring that's kind of how they got to know each other in the first place. Um, The band I'm more interested in here is Jalbi. Uh, They put Pakistan on my map, a couple of months ago when I checked out their 2016 EP, The Deconstructed Ego. I thought that was great stuff. It's sitting at a four out of five for me now. Um, but they're more known for their bolded 2021 album, Nafs at Peace. Uh, I also dropped a four out of five on that one because I still thought it was really great stuff too. Although I do like that EP a little bit more. Um, but there was also one member of Ebes who contributed pretty heavily to that. Latarnik, he does keyboards. Uh, I'll say off the bat, Poland might have my favorite European jazz scene. Um, I'm going to butcher a lot of these names because Eastern European names don't really Latinize too well. But, um, you know, coming from the 60s where you have Christoph Kometa, who uh, has also put out two albums that I gave four out of fives to. Um, the first is Ballet et Today. And the other is Astigmatic, which is where the record label gets his name from. Um, He's sort of known as like the godfather of Polish jazz because he started doing something that was, you know, distinct from what a lot of other Polish players or, you know, just generally, I guess, European players were doing at the time, which was just trying to like piggyback off of what the Americans were doing. Um, His work was sort of a distinct product of its own. 
Um, I also really like Andre Tchaikovsky, I guess. I don't know how you'd say that. I've already said I'm going to butcher the name, so I'm not going to get into that. Um, he put out something in the 60s, too, that I listened to in my album, The Day Project, that I really loved and is you know, probably in the top 10 of what I've listened to so far from 1938 to 1987. Um, then there was the 90s Yas scene, which was uh, headed by Milos. Uh, I haven't rated any other stuff on the new account, but I really like their debut album and some of the stuff they did after that too. And, uh, you know, even in 2022, uh, Span Nishes, Nishik, I don't, again, I don't know. Um, they just missed my best of 2022 list. Uh, that was a great jazz fusion album that I still listen to that first track Argo as, you know, one of my favorite songs of 2022. Uh, other than that, I don't know too much about Ebes. I listened to their 2016 puzzle mixtape to kind of get prepared for this and I didn't get much out of it. I could tell they were talented, but that project just wasn't too interesting. Uh, they're more influenced by hip hop and they got some new jazz vibes and there were some guest spots from rappers and just not kind of, just not my my thing just not my thing um jalby they made their mark on the international scene for their take on what's called indo jazz which is you know just kind of a fusion of you could say south asian influence or you could say you know influence of the indian subcontinent um they were taking that and bringing that into sort of jazzy musical structures um so that was pretty cool to hear and um this album in particular, Ebes meets Jalbi in search of a better tomorrow. Um, the title is kind of uh, developed from, you know, what's been going on. On the one hand, uh, in Poland for the past couple of years, being right on the border of Ukraine, uh, there's, you know, a lot of questions and, you know, uncertainty about the future coming from the the war with russia there and um jalbi in pakistan you know that in itself can be sort of an unstable area but also they've had some of the worst floods they've ever had in the past few years uh so you know things not going too well in either place um but you know they both linked up uh because of this record label and you know they like each other's styles and they both have this idea of something optimistic. And again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I always appreciate, you know, the kind of boundless optimism that that either comes in writing or music or arts in general. Um, anything that wants to be optimistic in the face of, you know, very uh, negative events. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. So that's sort of the background here, a uh, lot of background. First thought on the album itself. I think this is a great collaboration because neither artist's style overwhelms the other. Uh, neither of them are really playing a supporting role here. It's it's pretty active from both sides. Um, Jalby, you get three of their members uh, participating in this collaboration. Um, one of them is playing the guitar. Um, but, you know, the obvious, oh, this is kind of different elements come from uh, one person playing tabla, which is a, a, a sort of pair of drums um, that you can make some really distinct sounds out of and uh, is a traditional sort of 
you know, South Asian or Indian subcontinental instrument and the other member of Jawi playing the Sarangi. I think that's how you say it. Maybe Sarangi. I don't know. I would assume Sarangi, um, which is a bowed string instrument that, you know, also has this sort of near Eastern sound to it. Like if you heard somebody play it right now, you'd be like, okay, that comes from around this general area. Yeah. I think it's just sort of been absorbed by the, the cultural consciousness in that sense. Um, the rest of the instruments are all coming from Ebes, um, which is, you know, keyboards, there's horns, including clarinet and saxophone and trumpet um, and a drummer also. Um, but even though, you know, there's more people coming from Ebes on here, uh, you never get the sense that they're leading the project, but you also don't get the sense that the members of Jalbi are leading the project, even though they have the most distinct elements. It's not like they take control of it. And uh, that's the kind of collaboration I love, uh, which is when both artists are, are really able to put their own style into the project without being too commanding of it. And um, my favorite example of that is a song called Strange Love here. Um, and I love the intro to that, where you get to hear just the drummer from Ebes and the tabla player from Jowby, who are basically just operating as one concise unit. Um, and I know, you know, maybe that's not, immediately too impressive because those are both you know percussion instruments and they're both kind of you know trying to uh control the rhythm here but i think it's it's if i didn't know that it was necessarily like two separate people i'm not sure i would immediately guess that i might think maybe it was one person with some some different sounding drums in their kit um and it's not that like knowing that it's two people makes it better but it's that, you know, this is a result that would be impressive if it was from one person, but is also like the fact that it's two people is just kind of like, you know, once you know that you can kind of hear how they're playing together and, you know, the fact that they can operate so efficiently as just one unit like that, it's, uh, it's, it's really cool to hear, um, you know, then the keys and the horns from Ebes come in and the Sarangi from Jalbi comes in and they're they're also just locked in together. Like they're playing, you know, for the for the head of the song, they're playing this one melody in sync with each other. And it's it's just so perfectly, you know, they're, they're just completely operating together. And I, I don't hear that out of a lot of collaborations that I've listened to, um, especially collaboration between bands. I don't even know how many collaborations between bands that I've heard. But, you know, just in general, between collaborations, between artists, it, it's it's rare that they operate so well together and they can perform so well together. And part of it probably comes from the fact that uh, one of the players from Ebes, Latarnik, he goes, but that's a stage name. Um, he also contributed pretty heavily to Ebes' 2011 album, Nafset Peace. And um, I think, you know, that probably made it easy enough for the rest of the band to like come in and kind of follow his lead and you know, work with what they're doing. Um, but first few listens, I've listened to this about three or four times now. Uh, my favorite moment might be when the Sarangi solo starts in Judgment Day, which is the second song here. Uh, that's one of those just kind of, I've said it before, um, that great albums, you know, the difference between a pretty good album and a great album is that a great album is going to have moments where you kind of have to take a step back and be like, oh, okay, you know, 
that's what they're doing. Uh, that Sarangi solo solo on uh, Judgment Day, that's one of those moments where you kind of have to take a step back and you're like, okay, they're doing this shit. Okay, I see this. I hear this. This is good. Uh, so that's that's you know a, a very clear highlight for me. And uh, that's that's the song I'm going to add to the playlist here. And, um, you know, in general, uh, they they do, you know, again, it's more just them working together really well, uh, neither band overpowering the other band, the styles blending so well. And, you know, these are, you know, one band from Poland, one band from Pakistan. Uh, it's amazing that they can link up in this way. And um, I think... You know, the only negative, the only knock I have on this album is the second to last song. It's called Moon. Um, there are some vocals on that song that are like already pretty heavily reverbed out, uh, but they're just not good. Like I, I can't, I can't defend it in any way. It's just, you didn't need to do that. Um, but it kind of all comes together later where the second or the last song is called sun so they go to moon to sun which again is kind of reflective of the optimism that they feel about uh their situations and and the project that they're doing so i'm not mad at that overall um i think i haven't you know slapped a hard number on this yet uh i will do it very soon but i'm gonna call this a four out of five I think this is a, a really great album Ooh. that will absolutely end up on my year-end list. Um, it's just, it's very original. It's, con it's you know, 43 minutes, so it's concise. Uh, there's not really anything outside of what I said about those vocals on the second to last song that I dislike about it. Uh, it's creative. It's something that you're probably not going to hear from, you know, anybody else this year. And... Uh, I'm really happy with it. It just it turned out really well. So uh Ebes meets Jalbi in search of a better tomorrow. Four out of five. There we go. Four out of five. I don't know if that's your first four out of five this year, but that's def if it's a four out of five, man, it's gotta be that's gotta be year end. And that's a crazy backstory. That is just an insane that's one I'm gonna listen to. Yeah, yeah. I think this is so far uh my first four out of five on the year. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it is a great backstory. These guys really came together and uh, pulled out this collaboration, you know, two countries that are going through some shit and, uh, you know, just, just found a way to, to, you know, find something to look for a better tomorrow. I, I appreciate that. I think we all need something every now and again, even though most of our troubles are not, you know, the kind of troubles that maybe Poland or Pakistan are going through right now. We all need kind of something that can can give us the motivation to look for a better tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I've got one last, uh, I've got one last band. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to hit this one because I don't think there's a whole lot to say about it. Uh, other than it's got an absolute number of influences that you could, you could really go into. Um, my last, and this is a, this is a 3.5 out of five. Uh, my last album is, by a band called Takeshi's Cashew. Uh, the album name is Enter Jay's Chamber. And Takeshi's Cashew, I love that band name. That's a great band name. Uh, we've got genres Neo Psych, Jam Band, Jazz Fusion. Um, 
I'll say this. This is the first Neo Psych album in a long time that actually delivers. This one oh, okay. delivers in a great way. Um, the subgenres. I'm gonna hit Here the we go. three. I'm gonna hit this three. No, so this is these are country influences or area influence. These are not like this is not wankery. Uh, we've got Cumbria Peruana, which is a very is a certain type of Andean uh, Peruvian music, uh, mostly in psych and surf rock. We have Tushumaran, which is electric guitar led North African music from the 1980s. Uh, and some of these some of these album covers are are surreal. <laughs> I'm just gonna say mostly for the Peruvian one, but also for the African one. And then uh, we have Anatolian rock, which is just Turkish rock. Um, these by far are the worst album covers. <laughs> the, Turkish, <laughs> the Turkish people are not good at making album covers, but the the they, the they genre, got more pressing concerns right now. They have a lot of pressing concerns, but um, most of this music comes from uh, the mid '60s to the mid '70s. Um, which is a very distinctive time period in, in the in the country of Turkey. But we do have these influences on here. Uh, I there are there are at least six earworms on this on this album. Uh, Liana, total earworm, total jam. This is this is incredibly incredibly South American Peruvian. I am surprised that when I look this band up, that they are from Austria. Uh, one of the last places I would have picked was that they're from Austria with all this stuff yeah, on wait, here. They got all these like South American uh, tags. or and They got South... Wait, yeah, they got some sort of South American tags and they got Turkish tags and they're from fucking Austria. And the, the label and the release is under a German... It's a German release. Yeah. What the fuck? But we have all okay. sorts of... This is like... this is There's like funk influences on Liana. You get... um. You get a really good, uh, you know, guitar lead. Or no, that's um, God, what's that? It's a very tight. It's a, it's the horns. It's the fucking horn section. You have the South American horn section, um, you know, in the in the in the foreground with with the with the bongos or the the South American drums in the background. This is very very much like uh, the Cuban band that we had seen in in Durham. This is this is some shit oh, sure, that'll okay. really make you want to dance. Um, Liana, you know, and you have the saxophones that come in later. The song, total earworm. This is this is tough to stay in your seat. I listened to this four times at work today. Actually, now that I remember, um, Rogue Tail, a little bit slower, but then you have that hot wind flute coming in. This wind flute, this is a motherfucking good wind flute. This wind flute is on, I think, four different songs, and each time I feel like I'm just I'm blessed to be in your presence. So peaceful, Ooh. so so nice. A um, lot of really good solos on the with the wind flute um, throughout this whole thing. Uh, Ember is a little bit of a snoozer, a um, little bit of like a more of an intro, but yeah, it's like a minute and forty minute long intro. And then you hear, then you have this French this French title, Lane Vert Alenver. Um, this is where you get into a lot of it, for some reason. The, the main influence, I'm so, I feel like they missed something because maybe this is the Turkish, the Anatolian rock, but I got a very, very strong Indian, you know, Indian, um, Indian stringed instrument vibe from this. You have a lot of that on here, um, which I don't get why it's the French title, but this is a, you know, this is an ever evolving jam of a song. You know, you get the wind flute coming back in, but you have a lot of the Indian style, uh, you know, Indian stringed instrument. I don't think it's called a sitar. Um, 
but there are it's something very similar to that. Um, moving on, then you have Baduaya. I that's a really rough pronunciation, but I'm going to say this was very electronic, electronic led. This is a song that I put on the, the playlist. This shit is the earworm of earworms. This is just moving all over. This is this is something that it it is such a simple concept, but they just do it so well that you have like maybe three, maybe four elements through the whole song, and it is just a it's just an evolving uh, evolving electronic piece. Uh, Serpentines to Nixich. This is some jangle. You would you would love this song. Wow, this is a total a jangle. jangle song. Far lighter on the on on acoustic. There's I don't know if, um, what sort of wind instrument or there's a, you have the wind flute in here, but there's also not a wind instrument. You know it's a it's a it's a this is a pluck you know plucking this plucking the lightest acoustic strings in the foreground, and uh, it's just a really light song. This is this is such a springtime song. And, it, it, you know, you have a lot of different jangle elements as it goes on from, from just a couple different instruments. They don't they don't do a whole they don't need to do a whole lot, but they do it really well on this one. Uh, I'm going to say full half new and blissed out, man. J- j- just delete it. Just delete the song. Just <laughs> fucking delete it. Just deletes track for this because you you lose a lot of the tempo. This you you know, you cut the tempo in half on this. You do get the wind flute. You know, coming back in, and this is one of the maybe maybe it is a wind flute, maybe it is a a, a heavier wind instrument. You know, in the foreground too. But um, now I'm trying to find the what do you call it? Of course, this is what happens when you start by esoteric. You get absolutely zero like uh, of, the, <laughs> of the like what instrument it is and who plays what. You're never gonna get it. But this was a you know this would have worked better on a on a standalone B sides. I think this is something that really cuts the tempo, you know, completely off. Blissed out too is like a, you know, instead of it being the intro, it's a, it's an outro, you know, just an electronic outro that, you know, ready to fall asleep and you get to happy towel day and it's totally, you know, backup perky surf rock sort of a sort of jam that goes on. You get the tambourine shaking, you get some of the nice guitar leads, and uh, you get that wind flute coming in right at about halfway, and you're just like, "Yep, we're back on schedule." And then El Topo, the final, uh, the final song. Uh, you know, I I don't want to spoil it. This is this is a little different. It takes a this album takes a turn right at the end, and uh, the tempo is very similar to Monado Harbor, which I will say I forgot. I always forget intro tracks in these song by song breakdowns. But this uh, this intro track is one of, if not the best, like lure you in tracks that I've. It is the opposite of a filter. It is like a, everyone hear my noise. This is going to be some good shit, and they delivered. And that's what makes the intro track so much better. Um, the outro, El Topo, is uh, kind of deliver. It's 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 like de-escalating from from what the intro escalated on. So it's a perfect load you on onboarding offboarding album. I'm giving it a 3.5 because I think they could have trimmed down some of the fat, but there are a lot of really good standalone jams on here. There's a lot of great influence. There's a lot of it's, you know, it's a great psych. It's a great psych album. And I have not heard a great psych album in quite a bit. So I'm giving this a 3.5 to Keshi's cashew.
I, I got to say, I was kind of expecting a little bit of a higher score there. Like you hyped this up a considerable amount and um, it's, you know, it might I, be tentative. It might be tentative. You know, then I, then I kind of think like, am I going to put this on the same level as Palm? Because that's kind of the same. That's kind of the, uh, the, the, the comparisons I'm thinking of in the back of my head. I don't know yeah. that they're at that level, but I mean, with enough listens, I might, you know, I might start to think that I might have to listen to both of them back to back, but, but yeah, this is a, this is a great album. It's tough to get in the four range, right? It is tough. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, the four range is sort of like the first, like, okay, this is legitimately a great album that should be, uh, you know, remembered and, and people should, you know, it's it's sort of like that's where you put something into your personal canon. For me, at least, is is when I give something a four. That's where I'm like, okay, this is absolutely like my taste of mm-hmm. of you know things I like. Um, I'm definitely gonna look into Takeshi's Cashew going forward because this is only their second album. Um, I have their first album on the Soul Seek right now. It's 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 online. It's coming to me. Um, there we go. And uh the person that i downloaded it from I've, I've already downloaded something from them before so like that's probably somebody with good taste too uh, it was an ambient album from 1982 so a good good person mm-hmm. um but yeah I'm, I'm excited to like hear what these guys are up to because i i like their their genre tags i like their album lengths i like um you know everything you're saying about their their different styles that they're blending together and the goddamn flute like i'm into anything that's got a good fucking flute in it man like that that's a hard instrument to really make sound like serious um but if you can do it well then you got to be up to some good shit uh and uh you know this is also something that like not a lot of people are onto right now so you get you know you you mentioned you, you got it from the esoteric chart so you get some good hipster points for that uh seems like the 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 perfect atmosphere for something that is going to be noteworthy on the year. So you, you're, you're putting this at a 3.5. So I have to ask, uh, do you feel like this is going to end up on your list at the end of the year? I'd say so. I'd say, I'd say in the low teens, you know, if it's a bad, if it's a bad year at the end of the year, which I don't think it's going to be, I still don't, I think it'll probably be, you know, in the six to 10 range. But uh, I think I could get up there if I if I give it some more lessons. If I'm willing to overlook okay. some of the songs I think are filler at the moment. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that, that kind of thing all comes at the end of the year when you're like, all right, fuck, what actually was worth listening to from this year? Uh, so that's good. That's good. I'm, I'm really appreciative of you putting this on my radar because I'm, I'm definitely really interested in this. And I do love like their fucking crazy ass artwork here um it's got something of a like pseudo 3d grid on it and mm-hmm. it's fucking like I don't, what is this plant at the bottom like a like a what do you call that kind of thing i don't like a fern i don't know yeah yeah fern yeah That's this band good. this band is doing very sparse tours they've did they've done one in germany czech republic and austria then they're just taking like <laughs> two two or three months off and then they're going to Turkey for one. They're doing a couple in Norway. This is like the this is like the struggling band tour list where they're just trying to get as many bookings as they can whenever they can. They're doing um they're doing actually Manchester Psych Fest. That might be a that would be a really cool festival, something similar 
if it was happening in the states because bro i'm not flying across the fucking ocean for a festival <laughs> <laughs> but they're also playing in hungary at a at a festival a hungarian festival that would be interesting and uh one in germany again so yeah they're they're out and about they're trying to they're trying to make it in europe and yeah i hope they do this is this is great band great band i liked i liked it a lot yeah yeah good stuff it seems like they're kind of they're kind of staying fairly local um which uh, you know i could imagine playing this kind of thing you're not getting like a lot of radio i don't even know you know radio plays probably the wrong thing but you're not getting a lot of streams you're not getting a lot of like influencers talking about you you kind of have to you know play the local scenes and uh you get invited to the odd festival here and there and you're like yes i'm doing that um but you know that's not a bad thing that that's a uh, it keeps you hungry and uh you know no pun intended with them touring to hungry but I'm going to keep it pushing here. I got my last release here. And I think you do actually have one more after this. No, I don't. Have... I'm going to save it. You're saving it? Okay. I'm saving right. it. I got one more here then. Uh, this is another album I listened to last week. This is uh, a band with a, a French name, which is Le, Le Cri du Caire or Le Cri du Caire. I don't know how, how you want to actually fucking say that. The latter is closer. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, so back in January, this band dropped their self-titled debut album with the name being French for The Cry of Cairo. Uh, from the description on Bandcamp, it looks like the album is sort of a reflection on the Egyptian protests of 2013, which is wrapped in a situation too complex for me to give a quick summary of. But I think kind of <laughs> just knowing that is enough to understand that Kind of like that Ebs uh, Meets Jawi album that like the the background for this music is is unrest and uncertainty. I think I said this last week in the pre-review. I'm gonna say it again, or maybe I'll say it for the first time. This is my easy pick for album of the year so far. Okay, uh, I think you did say that. It's it's very technically proficient. It's emotionally moving. It's stylistically cohesive. The runtime is concise, and there are no songs I would cut. Zero. Wow. Zero. None of it. Uh, I got primary tags of chamber jazz and Arabic jazz, and secondaries of Arabic folk music and post-minimalism, which, again, I'm not sure what post-minimalism really means. I kind of get it, but... I'm, I'm, you know, you put two pieces of music in front of me and say one of them's minimalism, one of them's post-minimalism. I probably come big between the two. Uh, but what that means for me here is that we got a small setup here of Abdullah Miniawi on vocals, Peter Corser on tenor sax, Karsten Hoshopful on violoncello, which is just another name. It's like the proper name for cello. And uh, Eric Trufaz on trumpet for, you know, about half of the songs here. I still think we need to give Abdullah Miniawe an award for his vocals here. Wow. He's singing and speaking in Arabic from what I can tell. And of course, I don't understand what any of that actually means. Um, but it almost kind of reminds me of the feeling I get from the vocals on that Psychomagia album, which I did re-listen to, by the way. I, I still don't love it as much as you do, but oh. I still think the vocals are really great there. They're very good. Um uh, 
it's just one of those things where like everything he says sounds so urgent and so important that you're like, I don't care if I can't understand what he's saying. I'm in there. I'm there with him. I'm like, fuck yes. Just say that shit, man. Like whatever you're doing, I'm there for it. Um, I have to shout out this, uh, this three track string. that's on the back end here. Um, Sadia, which has a parenthetical of Purple Feathers. That's the song I added to the playlist. Um, it almost kind of comes out of nowhere in the album with the Hochapful here just like marching with his cello and Miniali just doing some like fucking spoken word that just it just sounds righteous, man. You're just like it's it's like you know, he's just there, he's saying some shit. You're like this again, it sounds important, it sounds very powerful. And whatever this guy's talking about, I'm like, I'm right there with it. Um, after that, they get into Le Marcheur, which is one of the only tracks where I kind of understand what they're talking about with this post-minimalist secondary. It's just a duet with Corsair running on the sax. And, you know, again, Miniawi just, he's singing here some of the most emotive vocals I've heard all year, where, like, I feel pain just hearing what he's singing again i don't know the content of it maybe he's talking about how he went to the grocery store and picked up some beef jerky i don't know <laughs> but it's it's incredible like how how much it stirs my soul uh i i can't get over i it's just it's it's just like you sit there and you're like fucking shit this guy's been through some shit um I, after that you know Maybe it's the most unique song on the album, Konkamakano. Uh, that's the only track here with percussion, from what I can tell, because for the most part, they're just kind of doing this vocals, uh, cello, uh, saxophone kind of thing, which is where it earns that sort of uh, those those chamber tags. Uh, but here they get some percussion, and it's, again, like very traditional, like Middle Eastern kind of percussion. Um in some sense, it's kind of similar to the South Asian percussion from that Dalby album. So maybe I'm just kind of in that mood right now. Um, but it's very distinct sounding, and it just kind of bounces along. And Hochaffel's actually plucking his cello on that one. Uh, so it's, it's just like an, a nice, interesting sound. And um, one of the things that I think is really incredible about this album is that I've, I've said a lot of words that involve movement. Um, you know, I'm talking about running and marching and uh, you know, bouncing, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of verbs that are things moving between different places. And I think that's really noteworthy for something that has so few elements to it because they're, they're doing this very small chamber setup. The fact that these, these songs and these tracks can move in the ways that they do, um, it's it's just really impressive to me it's 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 them taking like this you know sort of maybe this is one of the ways that post minimalism comes in is they're, they're taking this sort of minimalist setup and and doing all all this you know very active stuff with it where it doesn't you know you can you can hear that it has the elements of minimalism but they're doing so much with it that you can't really call it that so maybe that's where I kind of understand it. Uh, something is always going somewhere and something's always happening. And um, to close out here, I would say this is not like easy listening. Um, it's very Good. dramatic. 
<laughs> Good. Uh, you you would think maybe with the setup that you know it it might just be something that you can kind of like sit down and and just you know put on in the background, but no, this is not that. But at the same time, it's not really deep in the avant garde. Um, it's not challenging, I wouldn't say. Um, it's just very dramatic and very serious stuff. And again, I don't know any Arabic, so I can't, you know, follow along with what the topics actually are here. Uh, I'm, I'm just going based off what I read from the band camp. But the more I listen to this album, uh, the more I realize my only real complaint here is a structural complaint where the three longest songs are all on the first half of the album and they're all back to back. And I think you could sort of, you know, redo the segues between songs maybe uh, if if they exist in that particular moment or just kind of like shift the tracks around where it's just not the most listener-friendly thing to do where things could seem like they're kind of dragging in that first half where... Uh, Pearls for Orphans, the second song is a little over five minutes. Splendid Tales, the third song is over seven minutes. And Belaya, the, the fourth song, is seven minutes. Um, everything else is less than that. So I'm kind of wondering, like, what's why would you do that all in the first half of the album? You know, mm-hmm. give me something to chew on a little bit later on uh, so I can appreciate what you're doing here without feeling like you know, things might be dragging a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only complaint I have. Again, I think the vocals are the best thing about this, which is not taking anything away from the other participants in the music, but it's just somebody really needs to, like, recognize this dude for these vocals because I was, you know, I'm sitting in my in my desk at work listening to this for the first time, and I'm hearing this dude, you know, on the one hand, do this, like, very technical maneuvering where... I, I, I did look this up, but I don't have the tab up right now where, uh, you know, there's a certain thing you can hear in, um, you know, Middle Eastern vocals uh, where somebody will like hang on like one phrase, but they'll like bounce up and down between, you know, different notes um, or, or one syllable even. They'll just kind of like bounce up and down between a couple of different notes and hang on to that one syllable. And you know, it's it's really incredible to hear and really impressive to hear that kind of thing, especially in this context of this very dramatic chamber jazz music. And it's it's just another compliment to to say that like the vocals still rise above all of that. And you know, this guy Abdullah Miniawi, he just steals the show. He's just easily, you know, the defining element of this album. And uh this is my album of the year so far. I I don't think it has certain... I've gone back and forth a little bit. Um, I've considered giving this a 4.5, but I just don't think it's quite there. I don't think there are enough incredible moments. Again, like drawing on what I talked with about the last album where you know, the difference between a pretty good album and a great album is the moments. Well, the difference between a great album and a really great album is still the moments. Um, I don't think there are enough moments in here to really bump this up to a 4.5 where it's in like that, you know, very strong upper echelon of all music I've ever heard where mm-hmm. 
if a four is where I would say, okay, I would recommend this to anybody who's into music, a 4.5 is like, it's kind of a special spot for me. Um, I'm not sure it gets quite there yet. It might by the time the year ends on repeated listens, but right now I can't do that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm giving this a four out of five. Uh, I'm obviously going to end up on the year end list, and I'm fucking mad at myself for not getting to this until uh, May when it came out the end of January. Uh, but Le Cree du Caire, they're self-titled four out of five. I had this downloaded. I said I would listen to it when we did our show last week. I never, I never did because I wanted to do ones off of my own list. But I do mm-hmm. still have it downloaded. I just checked. And uh, I shall be listening to this tomorrow and giving you my thoughts. But okay. until then, I'm going to reserve judgment. And yeah, I'm still hyped for this. This looks really, I mean, artwork, pretty solid. Uh, I, I lo- I've been digging that artwork. There's a feel to it. And uh, mm-hmm. I can definitely tell from your description that, you know, you're listening to it at work and some crazy ass motherfucker starts speaking in a different language at you very loud. And you're like, okay, I'm listening now. <laughs> 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 but, but other than that, yeah, this, I, I'm, I'm ready to get on board with this too. I I've got it slated for tomorrow. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, there's that. And there's also, um, I don't know, maybe the track list changed in between the time that I, um, Initially, it was like, you know, taking notes on my review here where I had Konkamakano as the song name, but now it's it's just uh, Kamakano. And um, that that's, again, you know, you got the per- the percussion here, but, you know, there's also him talking about some other stuff. And the only piece that I uh, really picked up out of it was he goes, something, something to Khalifa, something, something Khalifa. <laughs> Something, something, Khalifa. I'm like, yeah, that sounds important, bro. Like, yeah, okay. Khalifa's cool. king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arab. And I know uh, uh, the caliph is like the, at least that's the English translation of the word that's like the leader of the, the mm-hmm. Muslim faith. So maybe that has something to do with it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this is, yeah, this is great stuff, man. I, I definitely recommend it. Um, it's... Like you said, some stuff I'm sitting listening to at work, and then this guy Abdullah Miniawi comes in doing some crazy ass vocals, and I'm like, oh shit! Like I need to pay more attention to this. Like this is yeah. I I can't work while I'm listening to this. Like this dude is is you know emotionally moving me with his vocals. So mm-hmm. it's great stuff, and uh, I'm happy I listened to it. I'm I'm really looking forward to you know I'm hoping these guys do something more in the future because from what I read. Uh, it was kind of a collaboration that, again, you know, it's it's cross continental. Um, Abdullah's from Egypt, and uh, one of these guys is from France, and somebody else is from a different continent, like, or at least a different country. And um, I think that's, you know, on the one hand, where I'm at right now with jazz, this is something that I I definitely talked about last week. Um, I'm not looking for crazy avant-garde like noisy stuff because it's like that's probably already been done by now um you know there was somebody in the 60s or 70s uh who you know figured out how to make some crazy ass noise out of a saxophone and out of a fucking clarinet and you know Mm -hmm. drummers are going wild and piano players are basically like destroying their whole instrument while they're performing like 
you can look in the past to find some stuff like that. Um, what I'm interested in now is generally fusion stuff that incorporates elements uh, outside of, um, you know, rock or ambient in the way that a lot of 60s or 70s stuff was really going for, or just other like fusion stuff that is kind of doing that too, but also doing it in a fresh way. Um, it's just the stuff that's going to grab my attention a lot more is stuff that's being, you know, fusion that incorporates outside elements or uh, chamber jazz where small setup, uh, you got a lot of strings, you got a lot of pretty sounds. Um, again, that's another thing I love about this album is that you got a guy on cello who's very comfortable uh, playing with the bow and very comfortable plucking it. Um, I think that's the really interesting jazz that's happening right now. I think Listy Guy is absolutely wrong. You don't need to be looking for people who are doing uh, fucking bonkers shit because for the most part, it's either already been done or it's going to end up close to free improvisation, which is like, like I talked about at the very beginning of my reviews where it's like, there's just no point. It's not listener friendly. There's no point mm-hmm. in listening to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I think I think for I was thinking the word I was thinking of the whole time where you're saying that was refinement, you know, refinement within yes, absolutely within a within one genre where you're kind of advancing the solo genre rather than looking to try and pull pieces of everything else and just improv, improv, improv. Like, no, improv's already been done. I mean, jazz is an old ass genre. It's been, a lot of this shit's been done before. So try and try and improve on certain things, improve within a solo genre, it's, you know, might probably a good time to isolate and start trying to do new things within one genre rather than, you know, try to be the jack of all trades. I mean, there are so many jack of all trades in jazz. So yeah, let's, 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 let's try to do something different. I appreciate that. So I've got something to listen to. I think you've got something to listen to as well. And uh, it's, it's getting to be about that time. But we've got the list of the year so far, the top of the list, which is a to say that in May. Well, I I know it is so far, but 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 that's a that's a bold statement. You don't say that more than twice, typically a year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't I'm I'm excited for the rest of the year to see what could overtake this. And I know something will because I don't think I'm like that huge on this, Um, but. Yeah, it is. It is, you know, a very special moment when you find something that you can get into in May and be like, all right, this is the best thing I've heard all year. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm really happy with that. And uh, I think um, we got two more uh, two more months in May. But I guess, you know, January, February, March, April, May, June, we're really having gone through half the year until the end of June. So uh I'm thinking maybe when the end of June comes, we can do, or maybe the beginning of July, because July, well, no, that's the 4th of July, so we're, we're probably not going to do a show that day. So June 27th, um, we can do a uh, a best of 2023 so far, and also a check-in on uh, 2022, because I have heard at least one 2022 album that will and you know retroactively end up on my best of 2022 list mm-hmm. so maybe you know that day we can check in and just kind of you know do another like just music episode where we uh you know redo or at least you know revisit 
best of 2022 and also give a best of 2023 so far? I say yes to that. And also I'm hitting the playlist. I'm going to hit the playlist a lot before that show. And I'm going to give like probably three or four overarching thoughts, whether the playlist is good. If you put on a song that I think is just (laughs) dog shit, I am fucking calling you out. And just a lot of like silly shit from the playlist, but that is going to be the point where I, I definitely think like, you know, halfway through, I will not listen to the playlist once, like from January to, to through June. But then like in prep for that show, I'll be like, all right, we've had enough time. And then for the rest of the year, like, yeah, listen to it, listen to some of the good stuff and just be like, all right, this is what the year is right now. So that's my plan. I think it's a good one for, for year end, what you said too. Yeah, you know, I actually, uh, I'm, I'm still gonna check out some of this stuff because I have a flight tomorrow. There you go. And um, I'm gonna check out some of the stuff on this playlist, and uh, you know, give me some stuff to listen to over the flight, um, over the two flights because I'm gonna be. I don't know the exact. I think you know, coming out of Birmingham, fucking, there's, there's no flights coming in. Connection cock. Yeah, you, we are absolutely connection cocked. Like it's it's ridiculous. So I think I I still have to. You fly will to fly there. to Atlanta. You will fly no, to no, Charlotte. No. Yeah, yeah. Either uh, that is actually it. Like usually, I'm either having to fly to Atlanta first or Charlotte first, um, or O'Hare in Chicago first. Yeah. And that's where I'm going on this flight because I gotta go to O'Hare yikes. and then go to San Francisco. Fucking yeah. yikes! I fucking hate O'Hare, dude. <laughs> fucking that's yikes! Fucking, such a fucking shitty airport, man. <laughs> I I'm not get, you're not getting me into this right now. It's too late in the night for that. <laughs> But yeah. All right. Well, enjoy your flight. I'll send you some shit. But until then, this has been in Arabic. <laughs> It's time to piss. It's time to piss.